are super not precious on Come to Where I'm From. We're the Bitches Brew of Podcasts. Welcome, everybody. We got Ben Lee. We're in Ben Lee's home studio. Are we on? Are we doing it? Is this it? Yeah, I think we've probably been doing it. All right. (laughs) But we were just talking about Captain Beefheart and uh, Tom Waits. And uh, yeah, because Tom Waits, he started out with like, writing those like really just be- being more of just a beautiful singer songwriter and then he got all kind of wild i'm inspired by artists that get more artistic yeah experimental yeah. and braver as they get older uh-huh. um i never really it's funny for someone who started as young as i did i never bought into the narrative that like you do your best work at 21 and then right. you, you know it's like to me it was like a craft uh-huh. that i think if you're ready to take the journey of being an artist Mm -hmm. it's a lifelong journey like i always said i want to make my best stuff when i'm in my 70s yeah and i'm still shooting for that yeah of course yeah yeah (laughs) i mean yeah that me too like i feel like that yeah and it's uh i feel like music's become less ageist as we've gotten older too like you know it was because talk we were talking about gary lucas he's on been on the podcast and when he was working with Jeff Buckley in the nineties and stuff, and he got kind of pushed out of that scene, maybe due to being, you know, he was like older, but they had such a magical chemistry. Like he wrote those crazy riffs, like on Mojo Pin and Grace. Those are his guitar parts. Yeah. Which you just associate with Jeff Buckley, but it was him who wrote those. And, but so, and then once he got pushed out of the frame, it, it, it didn't have the same, like he struggled on his second record, Jeff. Oh, did, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, like they had a magical thing, but that's a whole other subject. But uh, shout out to Gary Lucas. But as far as it relates to age, I think one of the uh, things about the splintering of the music industry yeah. is that you um, you can bypass traditional media, which is still sort of youth and sex focused oh yeah and connect with different audiences different Mm -hmm. ages different identities different cultures and i think that that's really does provide artists to take a a, play a long game a little bit more Yeah. yeah well also yeah like these kind of what do you call it formats or platforms you can develop like podcasting and stuff like that to where you can engage with people in different ways like then it was so limited it was like Get a video on 120 minutes and then be on MTV. And then you, if you are, then you've made it. And if you're not, go fuck yourself. And after 30, you're done. For sure. And I can. That's what it was then, you know? It was like, if you you didn't make it, but I remember like, I got signed when I was 25. I thought, okay, I got two years to like make it and then I'm done. Full on. Yeah. You know? I know. And I, I reckon I. Was I, in some ways I'm envious of artists who are starting now mm-hmm. because I think the infrastructure is more supportive of playing your own game uh-huh. and opting out of in a way like the mainstream competition in yeah. a certain way like there's it is is an easier way to build a sustainable lifestyle I think as an artist yeah being weird yeah and I think then it was more like you were if I put out a record in the 90s I'm competing with Jewel right you know what I mean and it's like I'm sure you were in the same boat and it's sort of like you're like oh my god I'm forced to play a game and make decisions based on and strategize based on that premise yeah that I may not even relate to that much right yeah there was there was like yeah a limited lane whereas now yeah it's much more expansive. Yeah. I mean, you were saying some interesting stuff about how 
when artists are young, their vision is more palatable is how I think you put it. Yeah, well, when, just me and my wife last night were talking about, I think we started talking about Joni Mitchell and then mm-hmm. about Miles Davis and about how beautiful the idealism of the early 20s is. Like yeah. anyone can put on blue and that album is always going to contain yeah. a tenderness and a wisdom um, beyond, beyond her, her years, years <laughs> of course, yeah. right? But yeah. also <laughs> indicative of her years uh-huh. in that, there's an innocence to it and there's a yeah. she's got that thing that I I remember I think I've maintained some of this but like you're going through the worst hangover uh-huh. and you're more in touch with the romanticism about right. it rather than how bad you actually feel yeah whereas as you get older you're maybe it's your baggage maybe it's you lose some of that idealism or romance mm-hmm. the wounds start to suck mm-hmm. a little more yeah. you know what I mean it's a little less romantic and people's real. art reflects that yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 and I, I like that yeah or yeah you like the the you hope isn't so unadulterated you still have hope when you're older but it's like measured with all right like there's a little like you know i don't know there's something i know what you're saying it's hard to articulate it well it's like the 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 hope becomes um ah if i think about my own life it's like i used to feel dazzled by Mm. so much stuff right and now i'm much more uh discerning yeah in terms of what impresses me right but that which impresses me brings me to my knees wow you know what i mean so it's like it's like a smaller window within which the magic of the universe can shine into your life but the power that it's coming in with the humility you know what i mean because you have humility as you get older and you're just like whoa that the fact that record got made, I'm so grateful that that, yeah. that opportunity existed within this space-time continuum. You know? Yeah. Do you, like, I, I find I actively work on my enthusiasm. Like, that is like, in fact, I think I'm like usually work, spending every day working on cultivating my state of mind and my enthusiasm much more so than I did back, back mm. in the day, you know? Like, I think, yeah, that you have that youthful exuberance more. And then, but there's ways to like cultivate youthful exuberance, not in a midlife crisis y kind of way, but in a just, you know, you know, breathing, you know, it goes back to spiritual, it goes to spirituality, like breathing oxygen, pranayana, breathing breath of fire type of stuff, or running, or, you know, diet and exercise and all that stuff. Do you have like, any kind of rituals that you do to like cultivate your state of mind or any, or your perspective? Where I'm at at this moment in my life is that um, I reject all rituals. Uh-huh. Um, That's interesting. Personally, because I find them to be controlling uh-huh. of me and I, I feel that they imprison me in different wow. ways. <laughs> I like this. Um, so I... <laughs> I, I say that as someone who's like married, I'm a responsible homeowner. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm not like an anarchist who's like burning down, mm-hmm. you know, um, churches in Norway. But I'm, I am not a, yet. <laughs> no, but, 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 but within, it might get there. No, but within the way I relate to my journey of for intellectual freedom uh-huh. and for um, spiritual and emotional freedom, I look at. Um, like I, I, the reason I like show business is I think yeah. it's like a good metaphor, you know. And I heard the, a, um, I heard the uh, creator of Modern Family on a podcast. Uh-huh. Right? I knew nothing about this guy, but he said something that I, I really liked. He said, "When people ask me for advice on how do I make it, 
in this industry. Mm-hmm. I always say making it in this industry, it's like chopping through a jungle with a machete mm-hmm. and the path closes behind you once you go through. So oh, no one can follow you. That's so interesting. And I think personal growth is a bit like that too. Damn, actually, I'm getting kind of chills with what you just said. Honest, <laughs> told you, I'm telling guy. you, honestly, like not, you know. No, like no, the, but, but really, I think like there are the all these people. The whole closing behind you thing is, that's I think the thing that got me that thing because. It's like Indiana Jones. Yeah. And everyone tries to, and everyone tries to, but this is something someone else said that I was like, yeah, man, that resonates with me because I see all these like teachers and meditation teachers and yoga uh-huh. teachers who stand up and go, just do this every day and you'll yeah. feel peaceful or just do that and eat yeah. this way and you'll be enlightened or mm-hmm. and, and think this way, chant this mantra. And sometimes I'm skeptical whether they've even done the thing that yeah. they're teaching. But even if they have, just because that worked for them does not mean it'll work for anyone else. So where, where my journey as an artist and as an individual is in, I want to like, be my own human being and I want to find my own path right. to freedom. Yeah. That's how I'm thinking about it. Right. But like, uh, you don't, so there, when you say you reject all that's I'm like, like, let's talk more about that because, so you don't do anything like, Oh, I'm going to run every day or I'm going to do yoga or no, no, regular no. like do, this or that. I do or, exercise. Like uh-huh. I like to play tennis. Right. I like to do Pilates. I'll do exercise yeah. for my body. I like body. Pilates too. Yeah. yeah. So I'll do it for my body. Yeah. But I'm not under any illusion that it has to do with enlightenment right. or like granting me access to some realm of creativity. It's just like, I look after my body because I, I wanted to be healthy. You yeah, I do. I, mean? I do it more just on the level of day, like in the moment of the day. Like if I, when I wake up, like I could go, you know, on social media and then like watch, like you know, I don't know, just do something that's not pushing me towards any kind of uh, energetic, like lightness or something. Or I can do something like put on a mantra like uh, you know i use the ho'oponopono mantra a lot i love you i'm sorry please forgive me thank you there's all these ones on youtube that you can like put on your headphones and go on a run or something with that and it's not like i'm i don't think oh this is going to make me enlightened at all it's more just this is going to make my day killer because it's going to get my state of mind in a really good place than to like I, I like it's we what barely works for you. It's what works for me. Yeah, and it we, probably evolves also. It probably will be sure. like there'll be a year Some, where you suddenly go, "Hey man, that mantra is not really doing it for me." Oh, well, exactly. No, no, Let's I get bored. I get bored. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. No, I got. I download tons of them, yeah. and you know, and also I'm thinking, yeah, pretty soon it's going to be time to take the training wheels off. I feel like even the fact that I have a mantra in headphones is still training wheels level. Like really, I feel like the I, is getting there just with not anything, you know, like. But, um, yeah, just I've been framing my days up like that and it just helps me so much. But so it's just interesting. Well, I think I think the thing is like and my fear in talking about this is I don't want to come across as superior or someone with like another theory about because I'm literally saying like I'm willing to risk um, spiritual chaos. Yeah, I'm not convinced I'm on the right path. Yeah, but I'm willing to take the risk Mm -hmm. Because what I don't want, I look at, it's like as an artist, right? Yeah. The times where I've imitated uh-huh. and walked on someone else's path, yeah. ultimately, I don't feel good looking back. Uh-huh. So I would rather have my own successes and failures mm-hmm. that I feel are mine yeah. rather than um, some kind of imitative experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's but, what it comes down to. Well, when did that 
change for you? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What? Because did you have anything in the? Past? Oh man, yeah. I went. I'm. I'm like. I'm He's a, a seeker, man. He like. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what were your What were your uh, practices? So I went like super deep into um, uh, Taoist qigong and uh-huh. uh, like Taoist martial arts and stuff. Wow. And then I I was had this guru in India that was like like a Hindu occult mother worship divine mother and was i got uh-huh. married there i was right there you had like a hindu six, wedding seven years yeah yeah then i went really deep into um like basically like the ayahuasca shamanic yeah but also like gnostic christian kabbalistic uh-huh. occult like all the occult stuff you so know you've what had I mean? some jesus periods oh, too man, yeah but not <laughs> even me too like, me too but not exclusively more no. in terms of like like the archetype, like <laughs> yeah. seeing its validity in the uh, yeah. narrative. Yeah. You know? Well, Hinduism too. I like how it's all inclusive. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. one thing about Hinduism. They like, you know, it's like, hey, if Jesus is your path, stay on Jesus. Yeah. You know, because it all goes to the same place. Like that's one. Th- I love Hinduism as well yeah. for, the, for that reason. Well, but. and also, I, I just think kind of what I found increasingly was. I was actually putting myself in prisons of my own making with each of these experiences. Like mm. I might have a genuine at the beginning. Sometimes like, for instance, um, psychedelics are a really interesting one because mm-hmm. um, you can have a very genuine, mystical, humbling, open experience. Right. But then how you interpret that yeah. could be given like all different kinds of And frameworks. how you incorporate it. And plus, what spirits are you inviting in? And and whose like, interpretation and who's are you using of yeah. that experience? Right? Like, yeah, well, exactly. Like DMT, I stopped trusting. Like, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever experienced that sure. one. I mean, that one just, I don't know. It's just got too weird. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this yeah. is too weird for me. Like, I, you know, like, Man. I mean, but, you know, because so, I, I don't know what's what realms I'm dealing with. Like, I I'm agree. not that but, educated. But that's with healthy. It. See, I no, reckon the problem is, like, people start becoming convinced they know what's happening. Right. I don't know and what's happening. You know, for instance, you know, ayahuasca, which is a, uh, it's mm-hmm. a DMT, DMT. You know, experience, yeah. but it's stretched out. Like, right. that experience, I've done that, I don't know. Somewhere between twenty and fifty times, right? right yeah. And if someone asks me now, yeah. what did you learn from that? Right. I will honestly say I do not know what that was. Right. Yet at the time it was happening, because I was involved in methods of interpretation, I would have told you I understood the experiences. Right. And I feel the same with art, like yeah. music. I love. Yeah. Um, cinema, like things like that. The, the number one experience I want to have is reminding me how little I know yeah. and how little I understand. Yeah. But it's amazing how the ego wants to make these things into almost like status symbols oh, yeah. of our understanding. You know? yeah. I assumed w- yeah. with, with you, because you put art out and, and the ayahuasca, Inspired by or it. it seems like, okay, that's who you are. And there's, there's a, a, a memory of it in your future, which is the album that you made. A memory of that, it in your future. <clears throat> in your a, past, I mean. That's a great phrase, though. Um, <laughs> I love so, that. But, but then, you, do you that's completely good. reject <laughs> no, no, like no, no, those no. albums? Or? No, no, no. I'm... Okay, hang on. When I think of my music, and even like I think of phases I've gone through as a human being, if I put any of my music on, which I rarely do because I'm an artist, that's what artists do. We don't listen to it. We don't listen to it. We're making the next thing, (laughs) dude. We're making the next masterpiece. But when it comes on, regardless of the costume I was wearing, Mm -hmm. I hear me, my heart, 
my mind. Yeah. I was like, hey, man, that was me. I was doing it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, maybe I was into this chord or that chord or this type of lyric or that style. Yeah. But basically what I'm hearing is an expression of where I was in that moment. Yeah. And so I don't, um, I think it's important not to reject even like, you know, I've been making records for over 25 years since I was 14. So naturally there's a lot of embarrassing quote unquote, you know, material in that, that if I, when I'm in the mood to beat myself up, it's not hard to find Mm -hmm. something to use as, uh, you know, um, artillery for that process. But I try and go, I try and honor the effort that I've put in at various stages and be like, yeah. dude, man, I really did it. I you went know what for I mean? Like other people, yeah, <laughs> other people are sitting there just searching the internet. Dude, I jumped in. I love that, the fact that you made a record strength. called Ayahuasca, Welcome to the Work. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah, and I and I, I still love psychedelics. Um, yeah, do you ever microdose or anything sure. like that? That's, my, yeah. that's more my vibe if I'm going to mess with psychedelics. Uh, it's going to be on a microdosing vibe. But I, I'm a little bit like the sub-perceptual thing is I'm a little bit like, uh, what's the point? Like I want perception of it. I feel you. No, I, I, like, I like a little bit more than micro. I like a li- that's what I just said at tape catching. I'm like a little over the top microdosing yeah, is mean, what I call it. But real like, microdosing is like an antidepressant. That's boring to that me. That is, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. That's my version of microdosing. But uh, yeah, because I've done, uh, have you ever, did you ever do Ibogaine, Iboga? Never did that. No, no, I never did that did. a couple yeah, yeah. times. That did you use that to get off something? Was that, because that's used a lot. Honestly, I was using it to deal with addictive yeah, yeah, yeah. qualities in my life that were just like fucking me up still. Yeah. Like, and I was just, I was really just trying to like almost kind of blast my brain, like almost like electroshock therapy, but in the psychedelic realm. Did it work? It, I mean, it worked for a time. It, again, it's it's really relatable to what you said about like, okay, how am I going to incorporate this into my life and all that? Like, yeah, it like when you're motivated. Like the thing is, is like psychedelics. I don't know. They're kind of like maybe sort of like, you know, I look at like addiction is like this circular thing. It's just like you're going, you're going, you're going, you're going, and there's these moments of breaks where you can escape it. Hmm. You know, um, and Until it the can, next circle forms. Well, if you if you get out then you can be out like that's the whole like you know if you're in aa one drink breaks the circle makes the circle come back again and you're going down and where it ends it's up to it not you that's the powerlessness of addiction you know but like so you have these breaks and i think psychedelics can give a break in the addiction cycle for you to escape but then you have to do the work after that to to keep out of that circle Mm. if you know what i mean and so it worked for a time but ultimately it didn't work because i went Mm. back into addictions and stuff but um now i've like don't really like deal with addictions because i've like resolved a lot of traumatic bullshit in my life that had you know that happened as a result of uh, you know not psychedelic stuff so i i think psychedelics are a valuable tool but i don't think they're the alpha and omega you know and i think when you first start exploring it there's a tendency to go like oh my god i found the answer because it's so powerful and it is god saying hey what's up kind of you know so you're like whoa god just said hey what's up you know look a lot of i think a lot of what i've (laughs) battled with in my life is my tendency towards um the born again evangelism yeah whether it's with like a style of music right or a drug or a romance Uh or like I would always be that guy who'd be like, I found it. But that's enthusiasm. Yeah, but and it's th- got a shadow. It do- well, <laughs> there you go. That's great. Yeah, it's true. And I ha- I relate to you in that because I have that same 
definitely that same tendency yeah. and i know that um but yeah it's like when you sell you, like kind of like i'm getting to the point now where i accept that about myself and i actually think it's kind of enduring or in enduring that's a weird freudian slip <laughs> that's a cool freudian slip endearing is what i meant to say but also annoying. I see it as yeah. an, I see my own tendency of that as I can see how it's annoying. And I currently do it because I have been finding all these things like healing modalities and mantras and working incredibly hard in those realms. And then, you know, sort of boldly sharing it. And people have been responding like it's helping them or this, that, and the other. And I'm do not doing it in a way of like where I think I know the answer because I don't. But I'm just saying, here's what's helping me. It might help you too, you know. So. Yeah, but that's calm. That's not really born again. Like born right. no, again evangelism is when you're like, when you know the answer. Everyone should do this, right. man. It's yeah. like this would help everyone, and that's yeah. what, like, I see the toll that's taken on my relationships. Uh huh. Like what? Um, I think it's exhausting. Yeah. For people that love you. Yeah. Because um, you're. It's like you're. If you take that role in your community, whether it's your family, your friends, your fans, whatever, yeah. you take that role of being like a leadership role. Right. Being like, I'm going in this direction. Who wants to go? Yeah. And then you change course. Yeah. Because that ha always happens. Because it's totally <laughs> unsustainable. Like, if you don't, you're a bigger lunatic. You know what I mean? Like, then you end up, otherwise you end up like Jonestown, where it's got like, a, it's a one-way path towards like obliteration to essentially like buying some adidas yeah so you so you you get off you get off and then like you've still got the need for that experience mm -hmm. so you go take a 180 and go hardcore in another direction and the people that love you go okay we'll go with you this direction and then you do that enough times and it's like you, you know i can't tell you the amount of times i've had people i love say to me i can't take this journey with you Right. And I used to be resentful of that. And now I'm like, I actually think they're the sane ones. Mm -hmm. um, because there are also journeys that like we should take on our own. Yeah. And not need to drag other people along with. Too, yeah. You know. Well, what you said about the showbiz thing, about the machete and then the forest closes behind you too. But that insight <clears throat> is very deep. Yeah. And, and I feel I could apply it to you almost because you do take a lot of journeys yeah and you sort of I'm reach, a, reach a point no <laughs> he does take a lot of journeys and whether it's ho'oponopono yeah or carnivore diet or being vegan you do them and he sets his path on them and he goes and sometimes people don't go along with him and some people are in for the ride but and and you get to the point where I don't know if you exhaust them or you get tired of them and then you open up yourself. Okay, I'm going to take this path, mm -hmm. and then you go on that path with the same intensity you did on the previous one. Yeah. Um, well, but I, I, think, I yeah. find it like I think it's one path though, and it's like to me it's an like ongoing path. It's an ongoing path, but it's like you and you're just sharing your journey. And for people that want to tune into your journey that you're sharing, they can tune in. I don't think it's like you're I don't think of it as like you're telling people that they should like that they should like some I, people might know that you're even on the journey you know yeah but do you do you have a tendency because I have a tendency to like when I would change directions mm -hmm. to have this like burn the past 
kind of like rejection of the past. Yeah, I don't. Ha- I don't feel like I you have that necessarily. Because that's the thing I think. Like, that's the way I think I've hurt people. That it's ex- that's because ex- like if you have a collaborator, let's say, who you work really closely uh-huh. in a certain thing, and then you shift direction, and part of the way you gain the energetic momentum to the new direction is rejecting the past. Yeah, it can be read as a personal rejection, right, of people that took the journey with you to right. get to that point. Yeah, like, that might be different though for us. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm. Oh, your journey is more way of life, not. Mm. not not changing like not hurting people it's more just what joe is doing i feel but for you as a musician when you change the path and you and you reject everything you you risk maybe losing fans does that ever come yeah. does that ever come into your consideration yeah well part of like what what i like reckon with is that there is a science it's almost like an entrepreneurial science of maintaining a brand and maintaining credibility in certain circles, right? That I have had an aversion to. Like I remember when I toured with Dashboard Confessional, interesting band, and I would say to Chris, I'd say, I really respect how you've taken your audience on these little incremental steps Mm -hmm. and they've come with you and the venues grow and grow. And the whole, it's like, it's like a great long-term strategy of how you protect this. But my impulse was always more kind of like radical and instantaneous. Mm -hmm. So I, this is an example. Like when I started my career, I was like a darling of like indie rock, right? So that's like not even, it wouldn't matter to young people now. But like there was a time when like, Enemy, Dazed and Confused, The Face Magazine. Like these were were like, if they put the stamp on you of like, this is a cool kid. You know what I mean? That was the thing. It's a big deal, right? It was a big deal, yeah. And there is a, there are, I see other artists who see who their core audience is and who their core fans are. And they, they, I I don't want to use the word panda because I sort of respect it. Mm -hmm. Like they, they manage to cultivate, cultivate it. So I have this like, it's funny because like my punk rock mm-hmm. essence is even anti-punk rock. Right. So like like which is punk rock. Which is punk rock, but yeah. that but that does not endear you to a certain aspects of a community that identify with a value system. So for instance, for me, there came a point in my career where I was like, Yeah, I want to have Mandy Moore sing on this record. I think right. she's cool and got an interesting voice and I like kind of what she stands for, this complexity of someone wrestling with pop culture and what yeah. it means. And I wanna I wanna try all these things. To me, that was punk. Yeah. That's like why I got into it. To try things you weren't allowed to do. Yeah, I think that's punk too. Yeah, but then there are, is a lot of um early supporters who were like, Hey, that's a little too far for us. Like you're like you're you're tarnishing some kind of purity that they projected onto me. So, so this is an example where yeah, not everybody gets that that being uncool is cool. Yeah, no, that, people, like, not everyone. Gets not everybody it. gets that, and then they just see un- being uncool as just uncool. Yeah, and I see <laughs> like a lot of the bands that I loved growing <laughs> right. up did a great job protecting their coolness. Right, like Sonic Youth, the Beastie Boys, yeah. Pavement. Um, you know, they prioritized. They it. prioritized it, keeping everything cool. Yeah, you know, and, and I, in a way, I admire it. I, I, I agree because I'm, I'm. But I also more, couldn't do it. I'm more like you too. I like I like to do go against the grain. I like to disrupt. I like to dis. I'm a disruptor as yeah. well. But so, how have you? I'm interested to like stay on this point about like when you shift gears and you burn the past or whatever or like reject like 
the old thing like how has that operated or how have you done that like how um, how does that what does that look like well i mean there's i can think career wise and i can think in my spiritual journey yeah give know? me can you give me an example of yeah, both yeah so like career wise um i would say uh my second solo album I made when I was 18 was called Something to Remember Me By. Mm-hmm. And it was like very folky. Like I was obsessed with like Loudon Wainwright right. and um, Bob Dylan. And it's interesting because at 18, you can't carry that very well. Right. It's like not very credible. Well, Bob 18. Dylan did. Yeah, yeah. He did. It's very rare. But he's Bob Dylan. <laughs> it's very rare. Yeah. Um, most, I, I should, I'll rephrase that. I could not carry that well. Yeah. So it, Van it, Morrison did. Yeah, Van Morrison, Astral Weeks. But mostly, mostly, mostly people, as people I, get older, it becomes a much more flattering idiom and flattering palette what folk, to use. Yeah. Folk and, you know, yeah. roots and things like Acoustic. that. Acoustic. Because there's a, you, as an older person, Adult, you begin yeah. to have a. Re- connection to the past yeah which when you're young a connection to the past, you have to be a great actor right like bob dylan was such a great actor really that he could create an illusion of a connection to a past that he never was around to experience right. yeah you know? but anyway so um then when i made i i felt the sting of people not connecting with that although right. now obviously you know as careers go on you meet people who are like that record changed my life right record, you know i loved it yeah so that's not that's really nice but i so the next record i made was this record breathing tornadoes which was my biggest record at the time yeah and that was um at we, a time, we, li- we, listened we listened to that last night oh, cool it's yeah it's really good so yeah. that that occurred at a time when um indie rock was for all intents and purposes, it was dead. Uh-huh. Bjork was the biggest thing in the world. And electric guitars were like blasphemous. Yeah. Like you were seen as like completely archaic to like have, to not have a, um, a drum loop. Yeah. And, uh, and to have electric guitars on things. And stuff. What year was that? Like 99. Yeah. Know, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so in some ways I felt like I justified some of those shifts almost in like a Bowie-esque thing in my mind of right. like, oh, you put on a new character. It's a new persona. But uh-huh. really, I think partly what it was was there was a hurt to do with the rejection of an artistic expression. Yeah. And so I started running in a different direction. Okay. Right? And so there are fans and there are collaborators that felt an authenticity at whatever level with that moment of artistic expression that to have that outright rejected it's almost like the fan feels, oh, I guess there's no room for me now, huh. right? So that's I yeah, yeah like I would just interpret that as like I because I think a lot like I always I would always frame uh, every record I made as reacting against the one I made yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. but never considered that negative at all. Like always considered that mode like just fuel. Like I'm reacting against the record I previously made but not rejecting the record i previously yeah. made it's just a launching pad well like, you might have I, been healthier than me in that aspect. i like i keep flipping back and forth i still do that like uh you know like uh and but i consider it healthy and not like not like a reject a rejection like uh you know it's like what you said previously about like when you look at old work how you like that's what i was going through at that time but, but i think there's a difference between reacting against the record and reacting against people's reaction to a record oh okay like i think when you are reacting to people's uh-huh. reaction to you okay. you're actually like not fully in your artistry okay you're kind of like i'll show them oh you know what i mean I'm, I'm pretty confident that i'm reacting against 
the record because it's like I like to try different things. Like one record, I look, I'm producing everything, I'm playing everything, I've written everything. Then it's like I'm mixing everything. Then it's like, can somebody else do everything? See, I'm there like, now. Now that's know, where I am. Like, but 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 in the past, that that journey was like yeah. I always felt like oh the next one they're gonna understand. Right. This one I'll show them they'll understand. Well, so it's that, not like yeah. I don't have those hurt feelings too when yeah, I yeah, when yeah. it doesn't like blow up, you know. But it's just like or get accepted or whatever yeah. i understand that yeah. too it's not so like, that, i'm not above that shit yeah. so but that's like, but that i think that does go away as you get older and you take a yeah. journey that's more about your expression yeah or just like yeah you just yeah like you're just into the next thing you're doing and it's like oh you know you're, the past is the past so it's totally. not it's not really affect so how did that operate in the spiritual yeah level so in my then? spiritual life so i had a um so i had this guru in india that i was like super into and it's interesting. What's it, what's it, do you want to name him or not? Not really, because really. I don't want to publicize. I like, get it. I'm so like, totally. I really don't believe in gurus, and I don't even yeah. want people to go down a rabbit hole. I mean, it's don't pretty follow easy. leaders, follow parking yeah, yeah, leaders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you Google, yeah. you can find anything out. But so, yeah. but um, but I think we're all gurus. It's like no big deal. <laughs> yeah, like but the, all yeah, okay. It's well, slippery what I, slope. What I sort of found was that, <laughs> <laughs> what I sort of found was that um, there is a malevolent impulse in spiritual teachers there's actually i began to feel there's a dark desire to control 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 in people that present themselves as helping and it's quite subtle like it's literally like this is what it's interesting in judaism one of the things i like is they say you have to always give charity anonymous yeah, <laughs> but they. One of the things. One of the things I like. Is, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, but, but it's a good principle. They said. They said always give charity anonymously, right? Because there is an impulse to take credit uh-huh. and to um, raise your social status through the act of giving. Yeah, and I think a lot of spiritual teachers do that, where they might even start off with the best intentions. Yeah. But before they know it, what they're really doing is like, it's almost like they're vampires. Well, power corrupts. And they are draining energy by being loved and by being admired. And it's like they, it's almost like this machine of devotees and disciples around teachers are like feeding the ego and feeding the dreams of this teacher. And it's not about anyone getting free anymore. But- That's religion. No, but but like, yeah, but there's also- a lot of people who are lost and if you've done a lot of work on getting yourself not lost to be able to also share the those healing modalities or to like put out that positivity how is that a bad thing like or like or are you meant to stay silent about it because like then what? Then, well, well, I think you know what I mean. I like, because it's like the, yeah. it brings back the rush lyric. If you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. Yeah, you know. Look, I mean? and in like, a sense, this is the <laughs> this is the predicament of human experience. Yeah, but I think the as let's just say as artists, uh-huh. we have the ability to demonstrate our state of mind right. and our state of being through the art we make. Yeah. So like. But what's art? Like, if because to me, Instagram is art. Like, everything is art. Your well, whole like your life is art. But I would say the highest forms of art mm-hmm. are the least literal. 
So like the, the more like I was actually me and um my friend Brad Wood, he's a producer I worked with a lot of times. We were um, yeah. I posted on Instagram a Kubrick quote uh-huh. last night about him. Kubrick was saying something like, "If you want to make a point, yeah, the least effective and least enjoyable way to do it is directly. Uh-huh. The best way to do it is to guide the viewer yeah. or the listener." to discover it for themselves, right. not to tell them something, right? Yeah. So so I see art as in like the lowest level of it uh-huh. is the confessional, literal coffee house, like, like someone who gets up with their diary uh-huh. and wants to read you all the horrible things that have happened to them right. because they at some level think it's art because I'm reading it, yeah. right? Yeah. The highest level is... Telling a story yeah. through total myth and fiction yeah. that says more about you than you would have ever been able to say by being literal, right? That's great. So like Oscar Wilde's had give a man a I'm mask, he'll show something. you the truth. <laughs> yeah. Right? What, what is it? Oscar Wilde's had give a man a mask, he'll show you the truth. Oh, right. That Dude, that came up in the Bob Dylan documentary that came up. And yes. we also have masks on our podcast in New York. In New York. But yeah, so we're that same thing. Exactly. That's interesting. And, and you would, I think you would find, I, I, I was talking about a few songwriters who, I don't know if anyone is interesting enough to really just write literal truths about their well, life. Well, what about like, John Lennon? Because he wrote those literal truths in such an effective way too. Like his, his, you know what I mean? He's a good example of somebody who went like down the center. I don't know. I feel like John like, Lennon was actually... But like plastic the story, Ono band, it's like, the story of a myth. The story he presents of him and Yoko then, is not the whole story, right? No, it's doubt, the story no he doubt. wants to tell in a fairy tale yeah. to teach a lesson about life. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. He but, never wrote as he never wrote about but, you know, going like, off with, with the secretary, the mother. Yeah, that's true. But mother and all that kind of stuff. That's like that's like heavy duty, like really directly personal stuff, and like plastic Ono band. It is, but like and, and of course. You could also say, okay, that's mythological, because and then, but then at that point it becomes a wash. Then at that point, anytime you like relay a story about your life, you could also call it mythological, no matter how directly it is, because on some level, the retelling of any part of your life becomes mythological. But that I don't. I I think that the question there becomes the level of craftsmanship, right? Because I think there is a difference between someone blogging about how girls have rejected them and how yeah. rageful they are on a website right. and someone that is actually able to take feelings of isolation and, and elevate and them into something that isolation. Yeah, or that we connect with. Yeah. We don't feel that we're indulging the person doing the writing. Yeah. We actually feel like there's a generosity in their telling of it. Yeah. So, so look, John Lennon was a writer at a level yeah, the- that he could elevate everyday experiences and even by using them by name like with his wife like there are so few relationships that could withstand representation at that mythological level of a song like Oh Yoko yeah Um, jealous guy yeah but he was able to do that yeah so but so what happened with the guru so you were oh yeah yeah so my point was my point was with the guru um, Mm -hmm. I uh, I had a realization within a series of psychedelic experiences uh-huh. that I had bound myself in a way I'd reduced options. Right. I'd reduced the ability to think for myself. Yeah. I had given away power. Right. I'd given away autonomy. 
Uh-huh. Um, to what, what do you mean giving away autonomy? What's autonomy? Autonomy, mean? Uh, the the power to make decisions for yourself. In okay, free right. Will. You, free will. Yeah, free will. Whom, who's in charge? Right. I got. I you. made someone else in charge. Right. right? Um, so I had this realization, right? And I realized I had to make a break. It was mm-hmm. literally like realizing you're in an abusive relationship. Yeah. And there's there's no when you're you know when you're in a truly abusive dynamic, there's no uh, going to like therapy with the person to figure it out. It's right. like you got to get the hell out of there, right? That's really true. So, so I realized I was in that kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. I got out of it, and I'd brought a lot of people to that guru, oh. and they felt a massive. Um, it was ex- incredibly provocative. Okay, that's um, interesting. I because because of my evangelical tendencies, I'd sort of turned people on to this process that I now realized was not in integrity. Uh-huh. And so for you though. You don't yes, you think for anybody probably. I think But you might are, be going uh, and the insight. But I he might be going evangelical the other way in rejection too because there's I, a tendency then to like that's always true. be an ev- No, no, no. no. Yeah. That's true. But I also think there is actual corruption in the world. Like oh, definitely. like if you look at like the political landscape now, mm-hmm. like it's not just corruption in the eye of the beholder there's actually a type of person who is in power yeah that is not our highest um what we can aspire to at the highest level is yeah that's what i saw in spiritual teachers that right. like some of these guys were ultimately not the kind of people that you want giving you direction on how to be this is this is a this is a basic example right mm-hmm. um i believe that if there is um if there is freedom if mm-hmm. there is truth yeah. if there is liberation of any kind we are all equal mm-hmm. in the process of trying to reach that right right yeah i don't believe in intermediaries uh-huh. i don't believe in a hierarchy yeah um, but there are the the actual entire guru dynamic is based on the concept of an intermediary. Yeah. Where they say that by by projecting onto this person, yeah. you get the chance to get closer to the infinite. Yeah. And I actually think when I get down to real common sense, right? I think that we I do not want you, you're going to end up becoming like the things you admire. Mm-hmm. We know this as musicians. Yeah. The kind of heroes that you grew up admiring as a teenager you're going to get the same kind of problems as them oh okay you know what i mean yeah. like really like if you look at like if you grew up like reading about like your hero's iggy pop mm-hmm. odds are you're going to go through a shamanic self-destructive phase yeah it's gonna happen it's just like you cultivate energies and archetypes and you like you're gonna take those journeys yeah and what i realized with these teachers is okay so in a way here is my role model mm-hmm. of someone telling me this is how you take the path and what I see is a human being putting themselves above other human beings. Right. So ultimately, I'm cultivating an attitude in myself of superiority, of hierarchy, of elitism. Yeah. Things that I actually, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe to I don't be believe, part of. I don't believe in that stuff either. Exactly. But I, but I also like, I see, I, I, I like gurus with a grain of sand, you know? And I like also like, I like people that make YouTube videos that t- that like, you know these like kids making youtube videos about the benefits of no fap and that kind of stuff i i love that type of shit you know like and it inspires me and it's not like 
you know, when I'm watching those things, I'm thinking that person is above me. I'm just thinking like that person is. You're, you're doing it remotely. That person has found something and I'm getting something out of it. And then like to me it's like a circular. Then I can also make a video on Instagram saying something that might inspire other people. Yeah, but that's not, different. Not that, that I'm that... thinking like, oh, I'm better than anyone. I don't. It's more just like, oh, I found this. This is helping me. Yeah, but that's different. That's yeah. a really different thing. Like, so what you we're think talking that's more about... positive? Well, like... it's just sort of like it's a different thing. Yeah. Like the, the, the nature about... of a guru really right. is not someone just putting things on the internet for whoever wants it. Right. The nature of a guru is making to be traditionally someone leading you from the darkness to the light yeah and that is what i have come to believe it's is bullshit. not possible right you know? i do follow some gurus i'm sorry to cut there's you a off. very thin, thin line when that between a cult yeah and and what you just described that and is a cult exactly it's not that exactly. thin a line it's no. well within that line it's, it's well within that yeah. line but as far just as your experience with, with the guru your wife was on that same journey. Yeah, but she was like always so, so, like a bit skeptical. So did, what like my was, wife the, what was, was the oh because you don't want to name the yeah, guru? No, I'm not sure. I don't. But, yeah. but oh, that's you, where you got married with yeah, that. Yeah. As, oh, a, as a couple, how, did you both exit the? Oh, did that's you have a great. Well, I would say like I. The, what I put my wife Who exited through. first? Oh, no, just me. It was me. I'd drag everyone in and I was you like, oh my God, her. guys, come on. Yeah. No, she was. <laughs> You're like, come on, this is bullshit. She was y'all. always like, when I told her that I'd had the realization, she was like, she was God. relieved. Oh, really? Yeah, like, because she was honestly like, thank God I didn't what know I'd tell you. put my wife through. This is one where we started the conversation. Right. In terms of being this type of person, uh-huh. what I have put my wife through and what okay. she has stood by me through yeah. is unbelievable. And that's why if anything, if, if I like believe in anything, it's mm-hmm. like my marriage. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like well, I that actually, goes back to oh Yoko, but it's oh yeah, I only yeah, exactly. you know, it's I back believe, to Lemon. I believe, you, in, me, I believe Yoko in me. Yoko and me. That is the yeah. thing that has <laughs> goes back to that. <laughs> honestly, my marriage yeah. has made me a better person <laughs> yeah. than any of these so called gurus and teachers yeah. who are telling me they were gonna help me be a better I, person. Yeah, that's amazing. You didn't realize it when you were going with the gurus. No, well that's like you and that's why I'm so grateful that my marriage survived that. Right. So that we can now be in this period. Now it's been several years, mm-hmm. but we can be in this period of like our morality is our own. Right. It's not imposed on us by religion. It's not imposed on right. us by doctrine. It's we, we are artists. And yeah. really that's like what I say, like, you know, cause Goldie's, my daughter's has some friends that are like involved in the church of this kind or that kind. Cause their family's like that. And mm-hmm. she sometimes asks like, Oh, what do they do? I was like, it's like what we do as artists. Right. We're just trying to figure out who we are and like honor it and live by the truth. It's like, but this is, I, when I look back at my life so far, I'm only 40, mm-hmm. but the true through line has been music and artistic expression. Yeah. Like I think these spiritual trends that I went through actually took me away from my real spiritual path, right? which was discovery through music and expression. And that's, that's beautiful. Like, that's who I am. And that doesn't need, I don't need to evangelize it. I have 25 years of not being able to quit it. Yeah. Even at times when I wanted to. <laughs> right. Because like, it's so natural to me and it's yeah. so, it's a good fit. You know? Yeah, you kind of almost take it for granted because it is so effortless in a way. Like, you can't you think, think this can't be it. You, yeah, you think, oh, I got to go to like some faraway place and hang it's out with a dude be in a Eastern. robe. Yeah. It's got to be using my, and, and prayer, yeah. prayer is really similar yeah. because I don't conventionally uh, pray, Yeah. but but I was always intrigued with why is praying in another language 
more charismatic than praying in your own language. Uh-huh. Like, why does it feel sort of sexier yeah. to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to say like a chant to this, this. Like, yeah. like, why can't it just be like, just colloquial? Well, my yeah. my favorite is, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you, which yeah. is, just has the power of like releasing negative programming and and letting and taking full responsibility for everything in your field of consciousness and living from inspiration rather than from memory and that that is like colloquial how do you say that word yeah yeah, as it gets well that's and, and, and and you know what like punk rock um, I was talking to my friend about this yesterday because um, for a long time, like in the spiritual world, like mm-hmm. everything's like positive. You have to be positive, right? You have to, and I've always kind of wondered like oh, punk rock. Yeah. What is punk rock? Because there's something in it. Yeah. It's not, it's not a fantasy. Yeah. And I've come to realize for myself. Yeah. The power of negativity. Yeah. Because everything has poles to it, right? Uh-huh. And at a moment where you need to break away from hypocrisy and abuse, uh-huh. you need negativity. Bulls- yeah. You need to say, that's a lie. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not standing well, for that. Well, anger is a great protector. There's Anger is high up there in an energetic... Like, Have you ever read this book called Power Versus Force? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I haven't gotten all the way through it, yeah. but like you know, there's like. Uh, but I so, like the cover. Let me just, no, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, because it's just yeah, yeah. black and yeah. white. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, oh yeah, no. Uh, I've gotten partial way through, yeah, yeah. but he, yeah, it talks about how like anger is like kind of like a higher energetic pool than so sort of depression or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I just sort of have realized that like so like there's a tendency I think especially in we're in a very we're in probably living in the most permissive time that's ever existed in the Western world. What does right? that mean? Meaning um, you can, you're free to live the lifestyle and we tolerate differences. I mean, obviously oh, I there's see. a long way to go, but yeah. we basically are at a, at a very liberal time. Yeah. But I think the shadow of that uh-huh. is not pointing out hypocrisy and corruption. Right. That like the tendency to go with it is to go, oh, so look at these gurus and go, yeah, but everyone has their own path. And, yeah. everyone, and I can, I, I feel the tendency to say, actually, no. Right. I think there's corruption there. Right. I don't think that works. Yeah. I think you're being sold snake oil. Yeah. Because I drank it for a number of years and I didn't get better. But so I don't think it does. I don't think it works. But I, I, I think you got to be careful about becoming evangelical. Evan, how do you say that word? Evangelical. Evangelical uh, the other way. Because I think the guru dynamic can work for people. And I do think. But who? I haven't met anyone that it's really worked for. I, I, because I definitely like. Personally speaking, you know, when I was going through, and this is a completely different aspect, but um, I was going through a lot of trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder from uh, various things, and I found this guru on the internet, and I never met him in real life, but uh, a couple different ones, actually, that I have followed just on the internet, and just, they wouldn't know, except for maybe like on some spiritual level. But they definitely helped me get from point A to point B. And then, like, yeah, I don't really check them out that much anymore. Every once in a while, I check in. And I'm like, hey, what's up, brother? You know, like, but that's my own little personal thing. And it's not like I've given up or pulled anybody else into it. But I think it. that's different. I made a comedic character called yeah, the yeah. Helium Guru based on <laughs> one of them, you know, like. But I, I, like that, I think that's a different thing. No, and I know that's, to- I know that's different. But m- yeah, what I'm yeah, saying yeah, yeah. is. To like blanket statement like all gurus are full of shit or that is a power, corruptive power dynamic. I think you got to be careful the other way because I think for many people that guru dynamic can be beneficial. There's a reason why it has occurred. And I do think 
I don't believe all gurus are power hungry like charlatans. I, I'm sure many are. I, I get that like completely. And and power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And humans are humans, and I think gurus are humans. You know, so they have the tendency to fuck up and whatever. And and it's it's a dangerous dynamic. But I definitely think. People can get, there's spiritual teachers, there's spiritual healers, and they can help other people. But I think you, know I I mean? think you can differentiate, oh, sorry. And, <laughs> I think, and God agrees with me. I think you can, I think <laughs> or you can disagree. Dif- I don't know. I think you can differentiate between, <laughs> yeah. I'm not talking about the content being shared by the guru. Yeah. Like a guru yeah. can tell you the truth. Right. I'm talking about someone who instills a working dynamic in their life with their followers Mm -hmm. using that intelligence and truth because any guru who's worth their salt is telling you the truth. Yeah, what about Osho? Did you see that thing? That yeah, documentary? yeah, that's same a, deal. That's a good example. <laughs> but but, but that's a good example. Like, if any of them are good, <laughs> they, the things they're saying are going to be valuable, right? Because that's well, the, Scientology even like Scientology is based on you know when you like a lot of it's you know sound sound advice you could say yeah. uh, on, on certain aspects. But I maintain but, that you know. I ma- I maintain that it is not. Uh, destructive because i i talk a lot of people share your view about this because i'm very staunch about this oh about there is value in gurus and I, I'm, I'm, got, not, I'm not saying across the board i'm saying no, but there can be there can be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm saying and it's I, possible and i i that's something i disagree we disagree about that y- yeah and i i encounter this a lot um but i'm not i can't deny what my heart says which is that that content mm-hmm. can be shared without an interpersonal power dynamic well, yeah. So the, 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 I mean, the, I think I get it when I'm just taking it on online. But if, but in a way, if you're taking info from somebody else, there's, I guess, a power dynamic to some degree. No, just in, that's just like being a fan. Okay, well then, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, into yeah, it yeah, on yeah, that yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'm not into it on like going and bowing at the feet of, you know, necessarily. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but if like, but if somebody like feels like they're getting something from that I, i'm not really judging it but yeah like i, I see what you're saying it, it, it sort of wreaked havoc on your own and life, I, I think so. it's an abusive it's like looking at the catholic church mm-hmm. and going like inherently that structure i'm mm-hmm. not sure that structure can be rescued mm-hmm. like that there is corruption so deeply embedded mm-hmm. within that power structure that when I look at that, I go, that thing basically has to fall uh-huh. in order to rescue the people that are still kind of, you know, enslaved in abuse. Basically. Yeah, didn't Jesus like go into the churches and yeah, start turning exactly. everything over and it's, stuff? It, it know, sort of has, like, and that's kind of how I feel about these guru structures. Like, yeah. It's not to say there isn't intelligence in the information that teachers are yeah. passing on to students, right. but this old model of having a person who is seen as like the one who knows yeah. and the class as well, the I one who doesn't that. know. I just don't think it's real. I feel like that's old fashioned. It almost. is old fashioned. Like there's so yeah. many gurus. That's, I guess what I'm sort of saying too. Like for me, I'm get, I'm picking up so much spiritual or, inf- or even lifestyle information f- across the board. Like, but like I said, like even like, you know, even like some, uh, there's this one kid, I think his name is Gabe, who talks about NoFap. He's like in his 20s. He's one of my favorite spiritual teachers on the YouTube. You know, like, and, and it's he's just a trip. He's just funny, but it's like, I, I'm inspired by him, but he's not like a guru. To, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, but there's like, I feel like people shine guru-ish light in various ways. And it's not like, 
the follower thing I think is dying down because of the information age. You I know? hope so, but if because you watch there's... this Nexium thing that's just played out, didn't you? you didn't no, I don't know that? what, yeah, what is that. It's a cult oh. that was in Albany that I actually had two friends who got out of it oh, really? and have been part of the case in prosecuting. Yeah. Um, this story and like people saw it in Wild Wild Country. Uh, like, there's uh, a reason that documentary had that was the amazing. To because Fuck's sake. this story is as old <laughs> as like, time. The story of the, the of the the dream, the idealistic dreams, yeah, the like leader and the corruption. Yeah, it happens over and over. Yeah, it's I like, guess it's just it's a game people like to play. But what you're describing is more of somebody who goes and spends time with the guru personally. Yeah, and and is taught like a way of life. That's which, true. Which is exactly a cult. And someone who surrenders, <laughs> it, it is. just goes. Eventually, it goes dark, and yeah. you're, you're so deep into it, you don't have the consciousness to realize what's going yes. on. Yes. So, okay. I think this is good because we're clarifying these ideas. I think yeah. the... I think not what, watching Gurus on yeah. YouTube. What I'm talking about is like, <laughs> unless That's you... just a fan. You're a fan. Well, yeah, I'm a fan. Like, yeah. when, you meet a real, when you meet a real guru... I don't think I ever yeah, have. When you meet one, what yeah. they tell you explicitly and implicitly uh-huh. is give up everything. Yeah, fuck that. And do what I say okay. and you will reach the truth. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not talking about advice columnists okay. yeah. in Goop. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> did, did you go to an ashram? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go into an ashram Yeah, yeah, yeah. In okay, so it's how- going in. It's going, you, know you I mean? went it's in the like, deep end. Dude, I've been in multiple times. Okay. And, and how is, long did you stay there? So with the, I would say, I would say, I'm glad we clarified. Yeah, yeah, it's good to clarify. I know, see, because you're speaking from your lens of someone collaging and I'm collaging. tasting all kinds I'm of for stuff. Sure. I'm talking yeah. about. I'm talking I know about, what he's talking about. Dude, yeah. I'm one of those people who I'm one of those people who like. If I had heard Jesus back then say, yeah. "You can't follow me and your parents," I would yeah. have been like, "See your mom, see your dad." Right. Um, I'm going that way because yeah. I just have that 110 percent thing that mm-hmm. has its strengths. Yeah. It also has its darkness. You and know? where wh- and uh, what do you think pushes you in that direction? What's the wound in you that makes you go for things on that level? What I've come to realize is that it's terror of freedom and terror of power, which are kind of the same thing. <sighs> yeah. That spiritual paths do you, something they you, did, do. you said terror not even terror. not even fear you no, said terror, terror of terror. freedom and terror okay. of what do you mean so, by that so what i kind of found about the spiritual search right mm-hmm. is it places your freedom just out of your touch mm-hmm. just out of your grasp so it's a goal that you can move towards mm-hmm. that somebody else has already and or something you'll get after the next course okay or something you'll get after you can do this for 20 minutes twice a day or do, you know, whatever it is. Right. It creates a um, syllabus uh-huh. that once What's you What's a syllabus? Well, look at like the Scientology is a classic one uh-huh. because you have to go through this level okay, and that syllabus. level. Yeah, that's and then you look at, studies. we've heard this so many times, people that get to the final end of the Scientology mm-hmm. and get the big secret. And right, like, that it's, al- it's alien invasion. Because the, the power, <laughs> because the power of Scientology is not the secret at the yeah. end. It's the luring you towards the secret right. at the end, right? Yeah. So, Freedom and it's all just out of range. And what that does is it puts you under the illusion that you're not free now. Right. So it imprisons you in that way. And as a result, you're totally disempowered because freedom Mm -hmm. is power. Like creatively, yeah. When so why are you? Why do you have a terror about freedom and your own power? Why are you afraid of those things? Well, 
I could actually say at the moment I'm least afraid. Yeah, as you I've ever been. See, I, yeah, I, I, I get I'm speaking that. about. I'm speaking, You're speaking very of the past uh, more. I feel like, but but I have to. I have to be honest. Um, I have to be honest about this dynamic in my consciousness because it it was dominant for so much of my life. Yeah, that it's like that's like an addiction. It's like if I were to deny that I have the ability to go there, that would be dangerous for me. You know Wait, what I mean? Reiterate that. Like, like my ability to be sold that bill of goods, uh-huh. I'm gullible in a sense, right? Yeah. So my ability to, to be sold that- You want to give is, over your responsibility yes, for yourself. And to basically a parent comes and goes, hey, we've got the answers, just relax. But what, have ma- what makes you afraid of your freedom and your power? Well, I would say what, I can say what did, Make me okay, afraid. Or what did it, what, make you okay? Let me of it. let me let me reframe it. My experience now in my life mm-hmm. is extremely dynamic, right? Yeah. So my experience of making music, mm-hmm. or of making love, mm-hmm. or of uh, walking outside, right, is volatile. It's uh. like I am. I'm feeling this, and now I go. Oh no wonder I was scared. Right, I get it. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they say I'm that not in scared. AA, if you want to find out why you drank, stop drinking. Right. So, like, I am. I'm now in a life with no ritual, mm-hmm. with no certainty, where I don't know what happens after you die. Yeah. When I don't know, I don't have answers to any of it, and it's intense, man. And yeah. I'm making work that I don't know if there's an audience for it. Right. And I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm not trying to control it. Yeah. And I kind of there's a logical side that goes, oh, of course, I sought the security of ultimately like convention and structure and religion because freedom is you got to be a man you got to be a woman you got to stand there and go i'm going to withstand the winds and the 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 chaos and life you know what i mean it's like learning how to this is another thing i like about psychedelics Mm -hmm. that they teach you how to sit still or stand still through the unimaginable Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I see maturity. You don't have a choice. At yeah. certain, you don't, and, you're, you're strapped in for the ride. It's like dying. You know, that's gonna, why I liked learning about, yeah. I did that hospice training, you know, about how to like um, death midwifery and all that. Because How'd you do that? It was just something I studied and I volunteered in hospice. And really? Like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. When did you do that? I, it came out of my interest in psychedelics, probably about 10 years ago, wow. um, around the ayahuasca album, that I, I was um, supporting people through psychedelic experiences. Uh-huh. And I realized that what was so interesting about it is when someone's in a deep psychedelic state, mm-hmm. you actually can't help them right? because they are facing the terror of their own unconscious. <clears throat> yeah. But you can be there. Mm-hmm. And in the most simple ways, be a support for whatever process they're undergoing. Right. And what I realized is like, oh, this is what That's beautiful. death is. Let me close that door just because of the sound of the guy. I think it's probably okay. And, you really? Know. You think it's okay? Okay. So um, yeah. So I kind of realized that I was interested in, and, and to bring this into music, uh-huh. I had some experience of playing music for the dying and also music during um, visitations for bodies. Wow. So, so like you would have um, someone Wait would die. Minute. Hold on. Vegetation. Like bodies. the family would come in. There'd oh, be a time. Okay, okay, okay. There'd be a time after where after the passed, person dies, yeah. maybe some people would keep the body there for three days. Mm-hmm. And one of the nice things would be having music in the room mm-hmm. as people come and go. Yeah. And the idea that you're going to be able to manipulate that experience at all is absurd. Yeah. Because you have someone coming in, there's a loved one. A yeah. loved acquaintance, like right. lying there, and they're witnessing their body, and the person's having a huge experience. 
what role can music play in that? It can provide a little comfort and courage while whatever happens, happens. Right. And that, if I were to say like, what do I want my music to do? Mm -hmm. It's that. Right. I want my music to give a little comfort and courage while whatever happens, happens. Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. And that's what I learned by doing all the hospice stuff and death midwifery. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So when you left the, but when you left the cult, cult, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And then you said you had some backlash. Like, what? What about the people that stayed in the cult? Did you ever mend those relationships, or did they? Did you? Ha- what were those kind of conversations yeah. like, or how did how did that end up resolving? Some. There's been some. There's some that were lost. Uh, one of the things about um, kind of a spotting corruption, right, is that I do believe you have a duty not to evangelize about it, but to be honest. I did not reach out to anybody who is in that and say, I've got to tell you what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. But if someone asked me, I would always be honest. Mm -hmm. I'd always say, this isn't what I thought. Right. I don't believe the thing I'm looking for is here. Right. I don't believe that person can help me get it. Yeah. And I'm getting as far away as possible. And there are certain people for whom that resonated there are other people for whom they were like, I'm never talking to this guy again. Why? Because they, they were so far down the rabbit hole at that point. Because to me, that seems like a real, like, like life is a journey. Like, you know, of course we learn different things and, you know, we change and, and evolve what we think are, you know, the, the way forward. And we could tell each other and help each other with that. But like at a certain point, like, yeah, like, why wouldn't they understand that? Like, okay, actually, this is kind of freaking me out now. Do you know what the problem with I'm you sorry. is? The problem with you is you are not the kind of guy that would actually join a cult. No. So you can't, you don't understand the mind frame. The mind frame is not one of intellectual openness. Right. The mind frame is. Maybe we should. Yeah, I'm going to close it. Yeah, yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to start taking apart this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's yeah. not coming from open-mindedness. Yeah, when someone is part of a, a very small tribe, right? Um, they will do anything often in order to preserve the illusion that the world as they know it is all there is. Yeah. I mean, there's like platonic well, essays I, about this idea. I, you know what not, I mean? It's like, and NPD family of, of origin work exactly that way. They're tiny cults actually and if, if and the scapegoat sometimes discovers that hey maybe we're not healthy here and then that's when the scapegoat usually gets ostracized from the family of origin because they're the first person that said hey there's a problem here are we going to look at this and then all of a sudden it's like who are you well that's the thing i think that, that's what happens that I, and i think this is where we actually connect yeah in this i think some of the details are murkier um, uh-huh. but i think your experience with that family stuff and my yeah. experience with these spiritual organizations yeah is very similar yeah it? like you can't deny it once you've realized once you, once you wake up it's like yeah that's like, true dude, this is, is not what it that's appeared. the connection then because yeah. that's so true dude and i start waking up and i was like hey uh <laughs> you know um uh, excuse me, uh, hello, this is, uh, and then it was like, wait, who are you? 
Exactly. And, and it's like, and, and it's like, wait, what? I thought we, uh, wait, who are you? Excuse me, what? Did, like, did it's you like, express any of that to the actual <laughs> guru? Like, confront him? No. And I have. There's a reason for that. But but so yeah. so okay so yeah so you got that so it was like who so, are you like yeah yeah like, so yeah. so so what you um what you realize is that like once you've seen you can't real a, a real abuse of power yeah you can't take a liberal attitude to it of no. like hey whatever works this is working for everyone you have to be like this isn't healthy okay like, you're, I, i'm just not going to be part I, of it and i'm not going to endorse it yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. that you framed it in yeah, the yeah. way that well, you like, framed it that way actually okay well now that yeah, we yeah, 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 yeah i completely fucking yeah, get yeah, it yeah, dude. Yeah. i like that now i'm like okay i'm on i'm on board yeah. dude a hundred and do you know what's funny? four million percent because yeah, yeah it's like and that's when your anger becomes a great resource yes. a great protector and that's when you should not be like hey man it's all good it's all yeah that's I right and and fully with and you, you on this so and you know it's you know it's so interesting like it's, yeah because because i've watched your some of your youtube um, instagram videos yeah. about and stuff and i was kind mm -hmm. of like going like i've been thinking about it a little bit and knowing we were going to talk mm -hmm. i was thinking i was going like i wonder how that applies to me and i didn't know yeah. because i actually feel like more of the abuser uh -huh. in the type of dynamic you're talking about within families. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm the one who's dragged my family through my own narcissism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So I was kind of wondering, is that part of the lesson? But yeah. I didn't anticipate that we would identify Oof. actually as being it's having had cult. similar experience in cults. MPD you know? MPD families of origin were operate exactly like cults. Yeah. And and you can never be it 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 can never be an equal environment. Yes. And as soon as you want just basic human rights, basic equality, it's like there's one oppressor. At the well, top of the, at yeah, the top of the pyramid, yeah, and it's like, it's, yeah, or maybe two or whatever. Two, whatever yeah, yeah. Like they work in kismet sometimes, but like, uh, you know, yeah, it's interesting. I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll share. Going back to your question about, yeah. did you ever confront, confront them or you just, leaders? I'll tell you why not. Irish goodbye. And I'm not yeah. sure if this is similar for you. I'm not sure. My sense is that there are people who goes so far down a certain road mm -hmm. that I don't want to be like dark about it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say there's no turning back, but, but I think there's a reason why there like, is no turning back. for instance, like Faust, like the deal with the devil, uh -huh. right? There are deals yeah. that we can make for certain types of power in the world yeah. that certain people make like, for instance, like, okay, Absolute, let's take Harvey Weinstein bro, as an example. I don't think there's reasoning with Harvey Weinstein. Right. I think the guy has gone so far down a certain road right. that you would be wasting your energy thinking yeah. you're going to be the one who's going to get him to see the light or Donald Trump. You know yeah. what? These yeah, are people that are remark, so committed. His remark well, that about the woman who said she, he absurd. assaulted her, he said, oh, she's not my type. Which it's, is like, it's indicative it's of uh, he's no so reason. far down. Yeah. So, so I think with there's certain people where your job yeah. is to get away yeah. and to be... A courageous source for uh -huh. others who want to get away. Well, exactly, and that's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, that's, in, it's in happening. Terms, it's in, what's happening with you know my partner and and, and her family. It's exactly yeah. the same. You just have to help them and say this is what you have to do. Yeah, and you've given that advice as well. You just have to exit. Well, yeah. In terms of if you're if we're taking talking about people that have narcissistic personality disorder, they've invested into a false reality of themselves so heavily, and they and they need 
the energy and the suffering of others or the unease and stress of others as a fuel source. It's a dynamic that's just weird beyond belief. I don't have that. I, I didn't realize that's that's. Not, I'm not like that. I'm more no, just like no. my fantasies. No, no, like my the, fantasies are more like ex- well, I would pull people bro, into it. Exactly. Not, like narciss- I don't want them to suffer. Exactly. Yeah. And narcissism is defined. All, uh, like somebody who digs taking lots of selfies oh, on Instagram okay. all yeah. the way to like somebody yeah. who's covertly trying to destroy another uh, person's yeah. life. That word is the blurriest word in the in the human language. It, it, yeah, it yeah, needs, yeah. That's what that's the problem with that word. And yeah. I think it's actually um, a blurred out word on purpose because it's actually indicative of the condition that it's like sort of like yeah. it's a blurry condition. It works in the sort of like beneath and like, you know, until yeah. you really wake up to it, then it becomes really obvious what's going on. Right. But like but there is no turning back in terms of like if we're talking about gurus or like people that have MPD. There is no turning back for them because they've invested into a false reality of themselves. That's like their their actual authentic self is so small, yeah, so yeah. afraid. They'd rather so, die. So yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yes. exposure feels like death. So there is no turning back. So like as soon as you start waking up, that's why if you wake up in a family of origin of this and you start threatening that apple cart, you're basically threatening the lives of those people. And so of course you're getting kicked to the curb, mm-hmm. and you get kicked to the curb with a quickness that blows your fucking mind because mm. you shouldn't, you, you know, because you, you know, in some level, like, yeah, family structure, you think of it as like, it's blood is thicker than water, all the stuff you're taught the whole time. And that, but what's interesting too, on the other side, to frame that in a positive way, on the other side of like discovering yourself on the outs of a family of origin and then like going through all this like crazy healing work and stuff like that. What happens is because you don't have the family of origin structure anymore, the world becomes your family of origin and you become more invested in just people in your everyday life. I remember just like, you know, being super lonely when this was first happening to me and just like the person that worked at the bodega became super important to me because, you know, there was, you know, and, but then those relationships actually build and evolve and it's weird. Like it's like actual, like the the world starts blossoming in mm. profound ways because the other thing that happens is if your life is built on a premise of a falsehood like a gaslight you can never really find your power you can never really find your freedom so if you're so if you're with the guru and it's bullshit on essentially at the core like there might be some nice truth sprinkled on top but it's built on a gaslight it's built on bullshit that in and of itself is going to stop you from discovering your power until you escape that fucking call that's exactly it and that you you don't what's crazy about cults and spiritual groups mm-hmm. that i don't know if families are the same but well they can be if they're really if they're really really dark if they're really yeah if they're if they're mpd families which which unfortunately there's so many so of would them. you say in a family so like that though them, you would know? you say that there is the so in a spiritual group yeah there's the promise mm-hmm. of liberation if you stay surrendered they have that yeah they, they have that in families too? yes they do so you, like what's it, an example like how well an example of that would be like okay there's you know there you know you'll get taken care of there'll be money at the end of it or this uh, or that there's there's versions of that you like know? loyalty to the family loyalty a, yeah you know, there's like just a, there is that yeah, okay. yeah you're you're taken care of because that's the other thing that happened to me when i like um 
was out on my own suddenly uh, and i and i very came close to becoming homeless at that point too not that i was ever getting any kind of like financial anything but it 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 there was like the idea that like on some level i would be taken care of at the end like there was more of a cushion well there was a cushion anyway it wasn't like my family's not rich or anything like that but there was there's a cushion there to like you know just in normal ways families operate like when folks pass on they leave the what there's there's left to the kids once that's gone and you don't have anything and yeah. and you're an artist or something like that and a lot of people like that's their whole reality anyway but for me it's made me dig so far deeper into like progressing as a human being on every level even starting this podcast was mm. an example of that or like you know just getting way more in, involved in my own music and my own work and and stuff like that it's 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 really been beneficial, you know, because of of just that. You have to like sort of dig deeper, I guess. There's no, you know, an extreme example is if you are a rich person or a rich kid and you have a trust fund. It kind of like, you know, uh, well, Bob Dylan has that line like "ruin like a, a rich man's child" or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas like you don't have the same motivation to find your power and to and to manifest your the fullness of who you are because you're taken care of on some level. And perhaps And um, maybe that guru dynamics is like that too. Well, but it all it everything pa- begins with a family. So yeah. in a sense, I think what gurus often do is they um they replicate an unhealthy family structure. Yeah. With a patriarch or a matriarch who yeah. Never lets their children grow up. Well, and, basically, and, and you, know. you know, and you did say, "Oh, you're not the type of person that would fall into a guru." But I gotta say, I, I, in full disclosure, one one of the gurus I was following on YouTube, I did consider going mm-hmm. to, and it was when I was at like a dark time with like just really like still, uh, you know, getting, you know, I almost said escaping, but you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to soft pedal it all the time because I don't want to like keep doing this, you know, I'm like. But there's no way to talk about my life without just talking about my life. Well, that's where I'm at too you with know? all this it's stuff. Like, it's like, like yeah, you feel like you feel kind of like, oh, I don't really want to expose this, but at the same time, it's like what and talk about nothing. But you know, it's good to have it <laughs> if you keep a sense of humor. Like, well, I mean, yeah. like I remember I, I tweeted um, after Wild yeah. Wild Country came out. I said, right. I said, as someone that's been in two and a half cults, uh-huh. um, I that really resonated, and yeah. someone tweeted back to me. After the first one, there's no excuse. That's <laughs> I was like, fucking funny. You're totally right, man. Oh, yeah. But I think what... <laughs> That's what, funny re- but, re- retort. It was great. Yeah. But what it, what it highlighted, what it ignores is that if you don't deal with the psychological issue mm-hmm. that's leading you into that dynamic, you will just find a different cult to join. Well, right. Um, similarly with families, if you don't deal with the family stuff, you'll recreate it in your own family mm-hmm. with your kids. And your- yeah. So I think like for me, I was, I, I was, I had the opportunity through mm-hmm. like insight at various moments to see the corruption of that particular dynamic, right? But not the insight to see the corruption of the entire dynamic. Yeah. So I would basically hop, and I, I think what it's quite common. It's more common than you realize. Like when you meet people, because um, reading a lot of these Nexium articles, I've been so interested. You should mm-hmm. re- read about yeah. it. I, 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 the guy I, just dude, got after, after found this guilty. Conversation, I certainly will. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. so because but, I, this is blowing my but mind. But what's interesting on a lot of about levels. what's interesting about that is it's one of the articles said one of the biggest um, myths about cults 
is that they're full of like, um, like unintelligent hippies. Like, you know, it's like they're mostly upper middle class, yeah. above average intelligence, yeah. quite successful. Right. Um, it's people that are actually coming into their power. Mm-hmm. And then someone gets in there and goes, you know, you that's, don't have it yet. That's so Do you want to really get it? Bro, that's so interesting because yeah. that's where I was. That, that I was coming into my power. Yeah. And uh, but I was really intrigued by this person. I still am, but like just on a like, I I know I'm not going. Let's put it that way. Like and and who knows? Real inch. That's real interesting. Because and then like I think the things I'm starting to share about now are um, in terms of how to become self empowered. And I think that might be the difference. Like if you're trying to like say this is something that is really self-empowering because then you're not asking anyone to follow you you're just saying here's something that's self-empowering so for you to be self-empowered you know so i think where we may have a difference like strategically to, yeah is that like go on I, a run every day it's self-empowering but I, that's not you don't have to follow yeah, me yeah, 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 yeah. because i said go jog but, but, but i, I mean? actually like, i i would argue that I would argue that it's not the jog that's mm-hmm. self-empowering. Yeah. It's the decision to take the jog. Okay. So yeah. in well, a way, true. there's a futility to me in recommending modalities yeah. because I actually think it's the space you make a decision from right. that really empowers you. Yeah. So I, what I'm- That's probably my, true. I think we're both dealing with that's probably how true. do we share this with people, right? <laughs> yeah. So my, my, my attitude has kind of been like, you know what? I'm just going to like- vibrate where I'm at yeah, and just be like, you know what? This is what it looks like to be a 40 year old artist who's vibing on life. who's saying fuck you to these power structures of the past. Yeah. And I want to make the weird music I want to make and collaborate and have fun and be married and be a dad and be a wild man. Because I think like part of the, the wildness of of my own mind is also what I was running from. But I was like religion it does this amazing job of um, mm-hmm. of keeping at bay our wildness right. and our shamanic tendencies. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And, can't but, do this, can't do that. But as an artist and as a, as a lover of life, we have to allow ourselves to become intoxicated yeah. by, by existence and yeah. say like, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to let it overtake me and I'm yeah. going to have an experience and be a human. And um, Baudelaire has a poem like, get drunk, drunk on everything, drunk on life, drunk on love, drunk on, it's something about getting drunk, but I drunk on that. everything. Yeah, when you said intoxicated. Yeah. And that's, and I, and I, and that's partly in how this all, how this relates to my relationship to expanded consciousness or psychedelics or drugs is that like, I, have been as long as I've been aware of altering your consciousness, mm-hmm. I've been aware of this idea of addiction. Mm-hmm. So their narratives have been in my mind together. Mm-hmm. And I see part of my own journey as being about actually figuring out my truth about right. that. Because when I I have liked altering my consciousness yeah. all my life. I've, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, I would be dishonest to say that's not true. Right. Does that have addictive components to it? Some days. Yeah. It does, but I would be belittling my own uh, journey to say it was all driven by a wound. And like, I'm an explorer. I like to like, I like to, I've had Miles Davis bitches brew on because it goes out there, man. And I like it. Mm -hmm. And I like that. That's where LSD can take you. And I, I find that like, a lot of what I am determined to do in the next 
40 years if I get it or the next 50 years yeah. is to make a similar transition that I've made um, with my spiritual journey with every other part of my life right. where I can stand there going like, I'm following my own rules. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I know what's true for me and I'm, uh, I'm not borrowing. I don't want to borrow frameworks. I don't want to borrow language. I want to be able to sit here at 70 or 80 mm -hmm. and be in integrity. Right. You know, and that's kind of, that's the journey as I see it. Yeah. You sort of foresaw the addiction. I mean, going back to when you were 14, your band was called Noise Addict. Yeah, it's true. So, but it's funny um, because my addiction that's came amazing. up in an, my addiction, Manifesting. it came up in an area that I would never anticipated. It came up in my spiritual questing. No one talks about that. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I just keep watching like, what's my relationship like to pot? What's my relationship like to beer? Those things have never presented a problem. Mm. What's presented a problem has been my need to have spiritual teachers tell me what to do. That's the thing that has destroyed, not destroyed, but run the risk of destroying relationships. Or You've sought your oppressors. Yeah. Yeah, and that to me is like that's wild. I can, I will fully take full ownership for mm -hmm. that addiction, yeah. and I will be on guard against that until my last dying day. Yeah. Nice. Well, I didn't. Even know. We went really deep. Wow, I, well, my I, my head is spinning literally, um, man. It's like uh, I expected it to like. I'm just curious. I didn't know uh, we were going to talk about this no, stuff either. I like, yeah. This has been no. amazing, so, dude. I think we gave the guru enough time. Yeah, man. We should, yeah, we yeah. should put go him to, to sleep. To, yeah, let's um, put him to sleep. But just a quick thing on religion. Uh, you grew up Jewish. Yeah. And your wife is what? Yeah, she's hot. Well, her mom's Jewish. Yeah. Uh, okay. And so um, with with your feelings to religion, and I kind of share every, everything, everything you just said, I kind of share those opinions. I grew up Jewish, but I don't identify as Jewish, um, and I, my partner is Catholic. And then how how do you with everything how you feel now? How do you bring Goldie up? Like what's her like? Like I is, said, I, I I bring her up. She's being raised by artists. Artists with integrity. I mean, I don't. I I think. And what art, does she say when you said she comes home and some of her friends are like? She was I, like, I, I have the same problems with my daughter. She some said, of her friends like. She, she said this to one me told Jesus. me I'm not allowed to like Jesus. Right. No. She said one of her friends said you can't like Jesus because you're Jewish. Mm -hmm. And Goldie came in and she was like, can I like Jesus? I was like, you can like Jesus. Yeah. Like that's her problem. If she thinks certain people can't like, the main thing I'm trying to do is not. Is help her not take on other people's baggage about right. because kids don't have that baggage unless you give it I'm, to them. They they're not aware of anything until you tell them and yeah, make like, them aware of it. If it yeah. comes up, Same I was like, you want to hear a cool story about Jesus? Cool story about Buddha? There's a lot of cool yeah. stories we can tell, but I'm not going to tell you. You have to identify that and make that exclusively who you are. That's not that's not your problem. Right. Cool. Well, what are you working on musically? Yeah. So um. Because you're doing the soundtrack, right, for camping? Is that well, right? I did that. Yeah, done. that show. So I did the. I scored um, the last um, Lena Dunham, Jenny Connor show, which Ioni was in, mm -hmm. um, the Jen Garner show, camping I on HBO. It, it was pretty, pretty weird, pretty it. stressful show. You should yeah, watch it, was, it if you're. It's, I, I, I don't really watch TV I'm mostly. Gonna, I'm going <laughs> to say it like it is. So um, I, I watched it. The, it's an amazing cast. Amazing cast. Like top actors. And thinking that it comes from Lena. So. It was it was it was a rough watch. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. it was like Why? like I wanted to get through it, but there were so many 
uncomfortable situation. It is oh, a so barrage the dynamic, discomfort. Oh, it the, is? The dynamic of it is is That sounds stressful. like something I would like, though. It, well, <laughs> I like you know tension. You know what's weird about it? You know what's weird about this piece of art, interestingly? And I'm not... What I, were they going for? That. That. Just that. Yeah. And that's what's interesting about art, that I think sometimes we judge it by what we'd like it to, to be, be, rather right. than what it's trying to be. And what I that's try and do a, with art is I go, point, well, yeah. what was it going for? Did mm-hmm. it get there or not? I, I, don't was, have to, I was like, what was it going know. for? It was just uncomfortable and I got through it. Mm-hmm. And okay, I watched it. And Yeah, you and don't know why, it. maybe. And, okay, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it like it is. You know, when you're, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought like, okay, we watched it. We got through it. Yeah. Well, well, what, it was, what just happened? It was not his. It was not his cup of tea. But but actually, but actually, that is the experience. your wife was great in it. Yeah, that's the experience the creators were going for. So all you can do is go, look, the world of artistry is diverse. So was it a, do they consider it a success? Because I mean, it was not, a commercial, it wasn't a commercial success. Um, but I but think isn't it, it HBO like it won't? Like, yeah, but I think there's even if it's a limited series, there's mm. always like um, the door can be open to future things if yeah. there's right. enough people watch it. I don't yeah. think in this case it was it got that. Um, oh, okay, but if but if I that's think, what you're going for. Then you know you're not going to get the commercial success. Yeah, but you know what? It's like got, now this makes me want to watch it. <laughs> Honestly, oh, this whole people should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, know, look, I think like, in terms of camping, I think there's. A lot of things. It was a. It was a little bit of a perfect storm of discomfort for people. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to I think people's feelings about Lena, um, for whatever reason. And she's someone I'm working on another collaboration with. In Shout some ways, in some ways, precisely because of her ability to make people feel anything. Uh-huh. I, I yeah, think in this world, of that. it is so difficult to get a reaction. There is so much content. Yeah. And I think Lena's ability to make people feel and think yeah. is unparalleled. Yeah. And she takes the brunt of that and she'd be the first to admit she's made mistakes. Yeah. And, you know, but I think, anyway, my well, point- I like, I like what yeah. Andy Warhol says, make art and while everyone tells you how shitty it is, make more art. Exactly. That's and the healthiest attitude about totally. art I've ever fucking heard. And, I, and, it's and like, ultimately, like guys like you, know, you and me, we're doers. Yeah, we just yeah. want to keep going. Fuck yeah, And dude. I like working with people like that. Yeah. But, but in terms of why people weren't able to digest it, I think there was two things. I think, I think the, there were aspects of um, the, the team- Mm-hmm. That people, I think people found it very uncomfortable to see Jennifer Garner playing "quote unquote" unlikable, which because um, she's like America's sweetheart. This makes me want to watch. And you might least favorite character, but on she's, this show. she's that's why you just said <laughs> yeah, she's, know, she's, like, a, she's no the one, no one likes supposed to be over the top. But anyway, dude, it's over the top. But anyway, now I really yeah, want to yeah, watch. This top. is like a great review. But anyway, there was that. There was that aspect, and then I think there was the fact that there was Jennifer. No, no, there was no. The show Please come offered, on our podcast. Yeah. But the show offered no relief. The show offered no relief. Yeah. It, it created no relief. tension, 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 tension. Mm-hmm. But but again, I look at it in terms of like, hey, if that's what you're going for, if you got it, right on. You killed We're it. artists. At the end of the day, you can't second guess what the audience... I'm shocked sometimes at the things that blow up. They're not always the like things what? you think. Yeah, like what's what? The I thing? wanted to say well, like what's what? Your, what's your current favorite show? Um... Well, a show I'm watching with my daughter is this reality show called Born This Way about Down Syndrome. Nice. Kids, because um, my daughter loves special needs. Mm-hmm. Like, she just has this, like, innate heart, like, obsession with mm-hmm. special needs kids. And she's loving this show. Um, and I would never think that would be something I'd enjoy watching. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I don't know. The point is, I had a great experience with that. And I loved 
I loved being part of something that got a reaction. Mm-hmm. You're part Even of the reason I watched it. Yeah, well, thank I'm like, you. Ben thank scored you. this thing. We got to yeah. watch anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> so worked on that. Loved He's it. He's a big fan. Yeah, yeah, no, thank uh, you. We were listening yeah. to your record. He's but singing was, along to every song. <laughs> but it was very grateful. Don't to, out me. No, it was very grateful <laughs> to Jenny and Lena for giving me the opportunity. I love mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've written a musical with Tom Robbins. Oh, right. B is for Beer. Beer is for Beer. Beer is for Beer. And that we're currently working with... About trying to develop it into a children's animated feature film. That's great. Uh, how, how far are you into that? I mean, the poster's already there. It's yeah, not well, really we, it out. came out as an album. It did. So the album's on. People can Is listen. It, are you going yeah, to like a Broadway like, kind of musical thing? It's a little or? weird. I'm a I actually think, fan. I didn't know it was uh, out. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's um, it's a. It's um a little weird for the stage. Yeah. Um, I think an animated feature is actually a really good. It's the cast is amazing. It's Belinda Carlisle, John Cryer, mm-hmm. Rose Byrne, Paul F. Tompkins, Busy Phillips. Rose Byrne, you go yeah. way yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, her. yeah. How far back? I mean, we met in. Australia. I was probably twenty or nineteen. You, you were in a movie together. Yeah, we acted in a movie oh, together. Um, wow. So that we're developing that. Um, my little duo Radner and Lee. We just made a new album. It's going to come out in New Year. I just made a second record. Album. Yeah, second album. I just made a record that's coming out on New West in, I think, in January. Arthur called... Buck came out on New West. Yeah, so New yeah. West, I, I I put out a bunch of records on them. I really like. So I've made a record called Quarter Century Classics. Is this a, a solo record? It's all covers of like Fugazi, The Beat Happening, oh, Dinosaur cool. Junior. Um, it's oh, basically amazing. me going like. We talk about classics. Like, oh, yeah, you like, had a thing on. Tw- I think I saw something on Twitter about '90s. Your oh, your knowledge of '90s music yeah. well, is I was like, like this. Your knowledge of life is like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, but, I was kind of thinking like Sonic Youth were like my Grateful Dead. Yeah, Dinosaur Junior were my Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Um, yet somehow, because these are more niche artists. Um, it, it isn't quite. It's not like Sonic Youth are played on classic rock right. station radio, no. but they'd be played on my classic rock radio. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I, I want to make an album about classic rock for someone my age. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all like covers of indie and punk songs that I grew up on in like late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like you dabbled in that before, and I respect you for that because I don't know, like a long time ago. What do you mean he dabbled in it before? He, he put out you put out a full against me album oh yeah 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 that he just, oh, he, right. loved, he loved I the album that. and he just well, yeah. how did well that that's when about? we met actually i'd just done that and we chatted that about was backstage. cool oh um, yeah i remember we talked yeah, about that, that yeah that came out um because i i you was friends on your with, own yeah i was friends with um tegan and sarah and um tegan had sung on the record that was how i got introduced to it oh. i was like oh i'll check it out tegan sings on that record and Butch Vig produced it. I was like, something's going on mm-hmm. here. There's enough interesting people. I didn't know Butch Vig produced yeah, it. Yeah, just that one. It was That's meant cool. to be their like major label breakthrough. Uh-huh. And it sort of like didn't happen in no. the way but it, that... It got huge though, kind of, right? Well, or it was not like... Not huge, but it got popular. Yeah, it was one of those records that was just like... For I mean, people Ben that Lee got made it, a whole cover it. record yeah. on it. So, so I just... I remember I was on the flight to Australia. I downloaded it before. I put on my headphones and I was like, this is pop craftsmanship. Mm-hmm. I love this record. And it's like... Against Me was sort of like, you know, kind of like a hardcore. I mean, they're sort of hard to describe their genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but so I was just like, I heard the songs and I felt like I wanted to hear them as acoustic songs. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I asked Nick, my friend who I was collaborating with, he was like, hey, you want to make this record in like a week? And we just covered the album and uh, it's up on it's up on iTunes. Why don't you make a punk record, man? Yeah, I mean, maybe. Because yeah, I like yeah. what you were saying. Like when you started talking about punk rock, that was really cool. But like, you know what's you weird? The negativity or like the... 
I think you making a punk rock because the best punk rock is like based in like some people that know how to write good songs. Yeah, and you do. And if you like took that energy and made, I mean, whatever. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Yeah, but it just be you're cool. my guru. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm trying to be your guru, bro. Well, you know what's you know what's interesting for me, punk. The punk that I most connected with mm-hmm. was like. Jonathan Richman. I know, modern Television lovers. personalities, violent femmes. Like, uh-huh. I actually like the acoustic stuff. Oh, okay. So, in a way, like, for me, punk and acoustic music Go hand always hand. went hand in hand. Yeah. And from there, it was, like, a very small stretch to, like, folk music. Mm-hmm. So, like, I love the Stooges, but yeah. my favorite song is Gimme Danger because it's uh-huh. got an acoustic guitar. Oh, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, like, I've always... That's the side of Gimme punk that I really, like, aesthetically fell in love with, you know? <laughs> but you... I want to go back to something you said in the very, very beginning where you didn't want to become like the people you admired. And going back to one of your first albums, you have a song on there, I Wish I Was Him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Wish I Was Him. Yeah, where he's like, I wish I was him. The uh, Yeah, it's about hero worship. Uh, Yeah, it's about, and and, uh, to me, like you were always singing about Evan Dando. Well, I said that. I wrote the song. It was a more general song Uh about, it's Somewhere there, there. That's the first seven inch of it. Oh, right. um, I, I, oh, I wish I was him. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I wrote the song about. I was fourteen. Dedicated to the role model of our generation, Evan, Jim, Bob, Ozzy, Thurston. Oh, it's about all those. It was Steve, all just Mark, like Kim, yeah. Kim, yeah. Kurt, but the front cover is all clippings of Evan Dando. Juliana. So Juliana Hatfield is yeah. on there, and you've worked with her. Yeah, so you yeah. Got to work weird. with your with your idols of fourteen. Yeah, I've gotten to I've gotten to work with a lot of um people i admire um there's a few people who uh so did you become like evan to going back to evan for a second there was i, I worked very closely with evan i um co-wrote a large part of his out al- yeah his album baby on board which i love oh, really his, um, yeah i wrote like i didn't know that a big wrote, hit of that ben wrote i wrote I this that. song hard drive and a song called all my life that That's were cool. i just gave them to him um and he did to me definitive versions of those songs mm-hmm. um don't you love that? When yeah, it was the best. I got, man. Don't worry about it. Ahud. It's all um, good. But but my um my fi- okay. So this goes into another realm, Going which there. is like my collaborations with lunatics. Okay. Um, because I've also worked with Harmony Korine. I've worked with Daniel Johnston. I've um I'm I am a I, I would say Lena falls into this category. These are eccentric geniuses. Yeah. And um, I have a, you know, there's a quote I always loved. I'm not sure if it was Bach or Mills or Stipe or one of the REM guys said mm-hmm. it, but he said, we always wanted to be the acceptable face of the unacceptable. That's great. And that was what REM were. They were the band your parents would like that mm-hmm. came out of unlistenable music, basically, right. you know, like that I love too, you know. Um, and I always felt these lunatics, um, and I say that with the most endearing yeah, yeah. Uh, well, way, I could be a mediator for them because uh, I, I can sit in a meeting um, about money. I can keep a schedule and a budget together. I can allow someone to be themselves and be eccentric. And in some ways, like my production and my co-writing, like even stuff like I just produced um, uh, this record, Jill Sobule album. album. And Jill is very eccentric. Yes. And she worked with her. Yeah. So one of the things about Jill that's interesting is um, she is a never ending well of ideas. So when I, when she asked me to produce her record, she had, I would say well over a hundred songs in a Dropbox folder 
and she'd say, I'd be happy with any of them. Can you put an album together yeah. out of these hundred? I've been in that same exact situation. Before. And I felt like what she wanted was a curator yeah. who would say, you get what I'm about. Right. Help me form this into something. Yeah. And I think in some ways um, that skill set has allowed me to collaborate with some of these lunatics and help them get their vision across in a way that was a little... So, so with Evan, um, I, I would never... Um, He's he's inimitable. Um, he is someone who I, I don't think anyone should or would want to follow in their footsteps exactly after. But he truly is a a charismatic thinker and entertainer. And there are aspects of him that I carry in my heart and in my vision of what I like want to be as an artist. Um, his connection to a good song. Mm -hmm. I think Evan at his greatest can zoom in on what's a great song. I think the reason he's collaborated with people like Tom Morgan, Willie Mason, um, uh, and the covers he's done of like Towns Van Sant and Big Star. And like, this is a guy who knows what a good song is. Mm -hmm. Some would argue that's, it's like Frank Sinatra. That Frank Sinatra, I don't think ever wrote a great no, song. No, he, he didn't write songs. But he could spot one. Yeah. And he could deliver it and interpret. It. And it's a skill to be. It's almost like A and R. What do you think a great makes a great song? Um, that's an evolving thing for me. I think partly there is a narrative that's believable. Mm -hmm. um, I want to buy into the character being created by the song. I was listening to a boy named Sue. The other day, uh, the Johnny Cash version of it, mm -hmm. and thinking about Shel Silverstein and how Shel Silverstein had a character, and Johnny Cash had a character as mm -hmm. a singer, yeah. and together the song served the narrative of the character actor. Yeah. It was like the right script and the right performer making a great movie. Um, that's that's from a lyrical and narrative perspective. Um, from a song, from a melodic perspective, I think it should not be great poetry. I think um, if a song is great poetry, it probably won't be a great song. Really? Um, I think there's we've got poetry for that. What there's, about Bob Dylan and like Leonard Cohen? They wrote great look, poetry, didn't they? Yeah, but they're not really read at poetry readings. Yeah. They're not really taught as poetry in school. They mm -hmm. might be brought in as an outlier by an English teacher. Right. But essentially, when you look at like Blake or Rimbaud or Yeats, mm -hmm. I don't think Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen as poets are really on that level. Right. As mm. songwriters, they are the most poetic of songwriters. Yeah. And I think songs should work as songs. Like my favorite, the moment I understood this was when I heard a Phil Spector interview um, after Be My Baby was a huge hit. So mm -hmm. early in his career, right? And the DJ, it was like an AM radio DJ, was saying to him, let Mr. Spectre, let me read these lyrics to you the, mm -hmm. of your so-called hit song. <laughs> be my, be my baby. Mm -hmm. Be my little baby. Mm -hmm. Be my one and only baby. Be He's my baby. No. He's trying to put it down. And Phil Spectre said, yeah, but you're missing the beat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. It's, it's the, the two. They have to go rap, together. It's the same they have with to go rap together. songs and, and lyrics and beats. The, it falls into that category. And when it Huges. doesn't, I actually think it's a mark of respect for a song when it doesn't work as poetry. Yeah. Because it means they're honoring the song as its craft of its mm -hmm. own. You know. Well, one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs is "Knocking on Heaven's Door," and it, like the lyrics are great, but they're not like they're not crazy. They're just simple lines. You for know, sure. like so it's like, and that's one of my favorites. It just hits you. 
for sure. You know, and like you you're look good, at you're good with the melodies. Like I think that's a yeah, you could an unusual gift. Like it's like that's a good gift to have that melodic gift. Yeah, know? I don't know what that is because it's that's not magical. It's like yeah, it's you, like where does that come from? Well, I do have music. Um, like in my family DNA kind mm-hmm. of like, I think I've got a picture up here. Uh, that's my, my great uncle. He was a gypsy violinist in Berlin in the twenties. Mm-hmm. And I had another great uncle who was the court violinist for Tsar Nicholas mm-hmm. in Russia. So that's interesting. So the, have you done like an ancestral line thing? Like how did that all? Uh, it's just like Ashkenazi Jew. That's all <laughs> that comes back with 99.9%. Oh, okay. I haven't gone into like a whole family tree, like, okay. but, um, but in terms of um, the way, violin um in gypsy music or in classic it's a very melodic instrument mm-hmm. i think there's a there's probably some kind of melodic gift more than a prodigal prodigal musical gift mm-hmm. in our family so yeah. i was saying you before that's the important gift though the melodic gift i think well because you can hire people who are great musicians well exactly and plus writing <laughs> exactly. songs is a rare is a rare talent for some reason yeah and you can you can like, actually usually get better at an instrument through practice mm-hmm. getting better at melody is hard well because melody is a gift yeah yeah it's a, it I, I think melody is a gift yeah i think lyric writing is a gift too but i mean you can work you can work hard at lyric writing, I think, too, but I think melody has to kind of come to you like a present from the universe in a way. Yeah, um, and I'm a bit divided on... It's interesting because like melody... Like, I always say to Goldie, like, because I love lyrics, mm-hmm. but whenever we're listening... Like, she's going through a huge queen phase, like all her friends are right, right. now. And she will get to a part of the verse. Like, she'll hear a song like, We Are The Champions, yeah. right? And she'll, like, get the, what the chorus is about. She'll be like, what's that line in the verse? I was like, who cares? Listen to how he's singing it. Yeah. Like, like the, the best pop lyrics of rock. It's like, the passion also is so important. But with melody, yeah. I have two minds about it. Because it can be almost mantra-esque. Uh-huh. In that a beautiful melody and harmony, it can lull you into an openness to ideas uh-huh. like if an idea if a pointed well, idea is, is delivered power. with harmony and mm-hmm. melody suddenly you find yourself singing a lyric that you wouldn't even dare let yourself think mm-hmm. like i think of the misfit song skulls that was a song i, I covered when i was younger and it's this song corpse here um so, yeah let's grab a guitar um here this, this is actually the guitar i played when i was a teenager it's like a really bad guitar but um so it's oh it's so out of tune Corpses all hang, headless and limp Bodies with no surprises And the blood drains down like devil's rain We'll bathe tonight I want your skull I need your skulls Demon I am and face I peel Feel your skin turned inside out And I wanna have you on my wall I gotta have you on my wall I want your skulls I need your skulls Anyway, so incidentally, that's a song I first heard Evan Dando play Yes, because that's his arrangement I was like, okay Who's someone who heard the song yeah, underneath, underneath the misfits playing that right so now that song 
I would never utter the words, I want your demon skin. I am and face mm-hmm. I peel to feel your skin turned inside out. I want to have you on my... This is a serial killer yeah. talking, right? Yeah, yeah. But you juxtapose it with this beautiful melody yeah. and suddenly there is permission to experience something right. that... And I'm not a big proponent of... I don't think this is a gateway into me actually killing people. No. I think, I think this is a, a, a horror movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was so, actually not even really listening. I was filming you <laughs> doing it, but I was also like just listening to this. I just was enjoying the song. I didn't even really wasn't even taking in the lyrics. But so there you go. Except for the skull bit, yeah. I was like, "That's cool. I need your skulls." That was registered. But so there you go. <laughs> Nothing else was registering. So what would it take? That's <laughs> what Goldie said. So yeah. Don't yeah. listen to that. Yeah. Listen yeah. to the song. Like, so, so, like, so what would it take to yeah. get Ben Lee to sing the words, "I want your skull. I need your skull." It yeah. takes a melody like that, yeah. right? And yeah. a vibe like that. Songwriting. And a so, mad genius like Evan Danzig. Yeah. So and Glenn Danzig also. So mm-hmm. so you know so so that's one way I think about melody, right? Mm-hmm. But the other way I think about melody is in this um, Captain Beefheart way mm-hmm. that he talked about, um, I, he did this interview I loved where he said, um, I make non, I wish I remember the words. It was something like, I make non-repetitive music mm-hmm. to break people out of narcolepsy or something like that. Yeah. Basically, like he That's talked cool. about how unexpected things happening jolt your mind into mm-hmm. new types of thoughts and spaces and what I find so irritating about pop music now mm-hmm. is um, it, it's almost like it's got one energy to it through the whole song. Mm. Like within it's the first... Dynamic yeah, the first 15 seconds of on Spotify, I guess it's designed for people in a streaming world. Mm-hmm. You got to give people the full pitch right. of, of, this, yeah, of the yeah. sexual energy of the song. It's a short retention span. Yeah, whereas like if you look at people. like we put on a, a record made in the 70s and the song mm. might be nine minutes long and end in a totally different place where it started mm. because it's like there's a journey happening you know and so i do like the idea that melody used intelligently and unexpectedly Mm. and harmony used unexpectedly can it's like it opens you up to new ideas Mm -hmm. you know so anyway it's all connected but melody is an incredibly um powerful tool to have in your arsenal definitely so getting back to the thing where you were talking about like being drawn to these like really wild mad genius type characters what do you think draws you to them and like you're saying like you you have the because you know you've got that mad genius quality too but you you can have uh i don't know you can put on a suit or like you know figuratively put on a suit probably literally too but yeah i can go like, negotiate a mortgage you, yeah like, basically right yeah. like yeah and actually it's weird because i'm like coming into that ability into my life i've like evolved into that ability more recently starting to like grow yeah. into that later in life because through like re- genuine sobriety and all that stuff, it's like because I used to be the other type where I couldn't do that. You are a mad genius, Let's... but no, I'm saying like the well, thank you, but like <laughs> I guess that's a compliment. It is no, but I'm just saying like I used to be the one that couldn't put on the you know figurative yeah, yeah. suit, you know, or whatever. Whereas now I'm becoming, I'm like actively working to like what well, we were talking about, Duff. McGagan, how do you say McKagan. his last name? McKagan, you know, how he became a business mind, you know, and how, like, that's real interesting, but, like, so... Okay, so you know what I think it is. I yeah, think the what, human mind... What draws you to those types, okay, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the human mind covers the whole gamut, Yeah, you know, and I think partly when we're young and um, superstitious, mm-hmm. we have a, feel, a fear that if we cultivate that side, mm-hmm. it's going to, like, dull the wildness and the creativity. And so I think a lot of creative people go, I'd better not ever think about money or Mm -hmm. I'd better not 
ever have responsibilities. Well, in the people, 90s, it was like uncool. Like it was like, it was, uncool, was it better right? to be like, oh my God, I'm freaked out. I can't even barely handle life. And that gives me artistic legitimacy. Totally. But then you look at someone like Frank Zappa, who's yeah. like, Making probably like the weirdest, like, the, yeah. kind of like conceptual music. Or Mick Jagger, one of the greatest songwriters ever, ever, ever underrated. And soulful. Actually. And soulful. Just beyond, bro. Like, and an like, economic student. And an economic yeah. student. Yeah. So, what I see in like, I would say, like, this, guy, this gets back to the spiritual conversation. Yeah. That like, what I view as my current idea about enlightenment mm-hmm. or whatever it is, is the ability Balance. to access all of these muscles mm-hmm. and abilities simultaneously yeah you know and so i think what like trips people out about me uh-huh. sometimes like those that kind of find me a bit odd mm-hmm. is the ability to stand in all these different worlds the ability to be a responsible parent and an advocate for psychedelics mm-hmm. to be um someone who will like put on Captain Beefheart, but also likes collaborating with Mandy Moore. Mm-hmm. To be, like, like I don't see these sides. As I totally they, get all They're that. all in me, man. To it's me, all I in t- me. Like all, that and the all side that like sense. wants to make money yeah, of and course. likes making money, but also feels that the world is unjust and does need rebalancing and yeah. wants to be part of genuine social change. Like, right. I, I don't know. I just see it as kind of like... so. In terms of what I get out of like working with people like and Tom Robbins, I would put in also uh, very much in this category of someone who has put the art first mm-hmm, and has right. taken his internal journey first and foremost. I am students of these people. Right. I see they have. Um, so you're not trying to save them. You're learning no, from them. I mean, I think at my worst, I've tried to um, I had a sort of idea that I could elevate what they did in a way by having a commercial sensibility or something that Mm -hmm. never works. And I gave that up long ago. I think what I look at best is like, it's almost like the blessing of being near a pure creative dynamic mind Mm -hmm. is sort of worth the headache. Yeah. Um, And it is a headache because (laughs) like anyone who has devoted themselves 110% to their creativity Mm -hmm. might have some, functional issues in terms of their interpersonal (laughs) kind of dynamics but i i i make allowances not to the degree that it will disrupt my life um to but i like quest love you know like did you ever read his book no he wrote a book you would love called creative quest it came out last year he got nominated for a grammy for the audiobook wow it's he's someone who i say that out i love audiobooks he's an incredible um responsible participant in the music community right yeah, he's he inspiring. shows up every day to his job at late night mm-hmm. he produces he turns things turns things in but he also understands that when you're working with a d'angelo or a prince mm-hmm. or some of these people that you kind of gotta like let them go mm-hmm. and do their thing and you gotta like harness yourself to this rocket ship mm-hmm. and go for the ride with them yeah and that's like i i like how people like him manage to do Operate, both worlds yeah. like they do the dj gig where they show up and they deliver yeah and they express themselves and then they go out there with d'angelo for four years making an album and go it's done when it's done yeah <laughs> you know like why not they be hop able to on do stage both? with prince at madison square garden yeah more is more i think because like the you know because actually it reminded me of like an article i read with quest love where he was like i'm doing this. i like i have like these books like tons of stuff like he was listing a laundry list of stuff and I was still like, had a lot of these dreams of doing a lot of the things I'm kind of doing now, but I hadn't had the capacity to do them yet. And I was kind of envious when I was 
reading that article like damn i want to manifest on that level high functioning high functioning and and it's like and uh just in doing like this podcast it's like super busy but it's like i don't know like if you if you spin a bunch of different plates they actually i think they help each other i have i have a thing i always say about this with juggling yeah like i only know how to juggle three balls okay so (laughs) what you what you juggle at the end but what you generally find in juggling (laughs) is that if you look too closely at any one ball you drop them off right but if you stay connected to all three yeah and you're kind of actually not focused on any of them right they, they, they keep going other. around. That's it. Yeah. So I look at it in terms of my bandwidth as a creative person does seem to increase, but there's a condition to it. What? I actually have to be connected to the project uh-huh. at a deep level. Yeah. Um, I can't take on a million things from an obligation standpoint. Right. It suffers. Of course. Then. Yeah, you got ha- to have fun with it. But if I love them all, mm-hmm. I can do them all. Yeah. And so I actually welcome in, like when I look at what I'm creating for the next chapter of my life, I welcome in more projects, mm-hmm. but I welcome in projects that I find invigorating and creative and dynamic and challenging and exciting. Mm-hmm. Real, real quick, like what was it like when you were young and you got into the whole Beastie Boys sort of camp? Because Beastie Boys for me are like one of the greatest bands ever. Like I just was a huge fan. Do you? Do you uh, yeah. But did you any... get into the camp? You were. Yeah, I mean, I when I was fourteen, like yeah. Mike. How did that happen? Well, the, the this the guy who sort of discovered me was an Australian guy named Steve Pav, who uh-huh. has played a pretty integral role in Australian music. Like, he discovered Wolf Mother, the presets, mm-hmm. um, the avalanches. Like, he's kind of been one of these guys who's just kept his ear to the ground constantly, and so he gave me my first opportunity and it was opening for Sonic Youth. Okay. Um, uh, and That must have know, been like in Australia. nerve-wracking Dude, as I was fuck, 14. I mean, never, come on. Yeah, like, that's the poster from the show. It was, that, um, that's amazing. It was Selena's, Saturday the 6th of Where's February. Where's your name on this? No, we weren't announced. Oh. It was like on the afternoon of the show. Oh, okay. Um, Thurston called and was like, hey, I love, the, I love your tape. Do you want to come mm-hmm. up and play a few songs before our That's set? amazing. How the um, hell did he get it? And from that... Pav, from the, oh. the, the, the guy who discovered me was their promoter. He mm-hmm. brought them to Australia. So he also brought the BC Boys. And there was a big culture. It's hard for people to realize now, but because of the internet now. But then it was like we all, everyone gave each other cassettes. Yeah. You know, that was how you discovered music. That's how I got signed. So bands would be like, hey, man, you got to check this out. I found this thing in Australia. Uh So my tape sort of circulated. Right. Um, And so Mike D had started Grand Royal and he reached out and said, I want to. So um, what happened when he he reached out? Were you like, what the fuck? Was it like amazing? Were you expecting? Well, it was the the Sonic Youth thing had already happened. Yeah. So you were starting to get the idea that something was about to happen. Well, I, I guess I felt that it was really weird because I felt like I was very lucky put it this way my skill set as a 14 year old could only have thrived in 1992 right um that's interesting i was doing these recordings that in my delusional thinking sounded like um (laughs) the wall or appetite for destruction oh yeah i I thought they were like hi-fi amazing they sounded like the most they made the shags sound professional Uh like and that was actually in fashion yeah so i accidentally stumbled on into this world of home recording and indie rock that was like yeah that's recorded on philip stereo yeah (laughs) yeah yeah my limitations (laughs) at the time it just perfectly aligned with something culturally going on Mm -hmm. and now i've developed a skill set of recording and playing music and writing that 
I can survive as an equal in the music industry. Yeah. But at that point, it was it was just this weird kismet. You know, mm-hmm. this thing happened where like, so I realized that I'd, I'd sort of like, you know, just like schlamuzzled myself into, it was like a Forrest Gump moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although, although there was massive ambition. Mm-hmm. So it was right. almost like Forrest Gump with ambition. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and so he might have low key had ambition. He probably too. did. Yeah, he probably did. <laughs> so, so I think um, the the biggest thing and the gratitude that I have for that moment that I stumbled into mm-hmm. um, with Sonic Youth and the Beastie Boys and you know these bands supporting Fugazi and Pavement Sebado was that this was outsider music. Mm-hmm. So my what I came in with, and I do think it's kind of like where you enter the game stays with you forever right you know unless you're one of these like people that like totally like (laughs) you hear these stories of like glam bands that like reinvented themselves as grunge bands and that kind of thing but for most of us your roots what you come in with as a teenager it's like it stays in your dna it's in your blood and for me this like kind of like outsider music thing Mm -hmm. has and and that again comes back to why i like Lena, why I like Tom Robbins, why I right. like Harmony Korean. Yeah. Is there outsiders? So what were you doing with Harmony? We co wrote a couple songs. Okay, he's you interesting. Know, I've got we I've friends, got a chance yeah. to meet him a couple times. Yeah, so we he's... were we were friends back in very chaotic days. It's funny, I saw him yeah. I bumped into him a year or two ago and he was like he was telling his friend, he's like we used to write songs sitting on the floor. That yeah. was his. That was his indicator to him of how young he was. I was like, I, right. stu- I still write songs sitting on the floor. That's funny. <laughs> but to him, that was only something that would have happened in his teen years or whatever. The, the recording quality, like when you go back and listen to your early stuff, I find it endearing. Like that's what reeled me into you. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. Three a.m. in New York, and no, no, the, no but that, that was hi-fi. That's no, no, hi-fi. That, he's that talking stuff about was the, done in a studio. Oh, okay. Dude. I mean, like the home recording stuff was like I had a Tascam two four. For. Yeah, I did not know how to use it. I mean, you should honestly get on. You you might have never heard it. I might probably get not. um a Numero Uno label put out a noise addict retrospective last year on vinyl. It's up on you can listen on streaming. Okay, it has the earliest recordings. It's insane. We're gonna listen. To I it. mean, I actually yeah. <laughs> we're gonna uh, listen. To it we're is, gonna listen to it now. It is actually insane. Right. Like I listen to this guy. I'm like. The gap between what I was making and what I thought I was making right. was so ginormous mm-hmm. that, like, it indicates a level of mental instability. But you know? what, what is your opinion of, of those songs as songs? Like, why don't you re-record that stuff today and bring it to what you just described you thought it was? Because who cares? Because he's in the moment, bro. He's got, like, a million and fucking one other ideas No, now. I mean, I'm sort of like, if I ever wanted to, I would. I have right. no opposition to it. But yeah. I don't like doing... Like, when people talk about, like, remixing old things or going back, I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. I got too many new ideas. And, like, plus, I, just going into the past just seems like torture to me. It, it, it would have to have a reason. I mean, when like, you're an artist, it's like, they're like diary entries. So it's yeah, kind of like, exactly. hey, why don't like, you take that diary entry and do it in calligraphy? Right. It's, it's like, like, I was like, well, who like, cares? <laughs> yeah. So we got to wrap this up, but I want to ask you because um, you were talking about how in 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 all the seeking, the thing that really was like been the most, I guess, profound like spiritual teacher too was like your your relationship with Ioni. Yeah. And, and uh, I was just wondering how did you guys meet? Yeah. So it's pretty interesting. Um, when I was eighteen, I was in LA. I just finished making something to remember me by. Mm-hmm. And I, in Australia, it's a bit different because no one, unless you're from a country town, you kind of live 
near, if you're in a major city, your family's there. You don't really move cities that mm-hmm. much. So most people I knew growing up lived in the same city as they grew up in. You know. Right. Um, so when I came here, I was quite shocked that almost everyone I knew in LA left LA at Christmas. Because right. at that point, everyone I knew were like bands and stuff and they all like went back to their families, uh-huh. right? So I found myself in Christmas, I was staying at a friend's house in Glendale. Mm-hmm. No one I knew was in town. All I was doing was like eating pizza and watching Don, um, watching Donahue. Um, that was like my dad. I was like, I was sort of depressed, but I was eighteen. I was just out of high school. The eating pizza, I get, but Donahue, really? It's what was on yeah. TV. Okay. I was just like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. And um, it was big. Yeah, yeah I was just, it was on okay, TV. It was the Oprah of I'm his just, time. I'm just kidding. Anyway, yeah. so so I I knew one person who stayed in town, uh-huh. and it was this guy Ian Rogers. Um, Ian Rogers, some people, he was actually the Beastie Boys web guy. Uh-huh. Um, and he went on to build beats for um, Dre and Jimmy Iovine. Oh, wow. Um, he, and then he became- So no success at all. Yeah, yeah. But he was like, he was an early <laughs> streaming guy yeah. who saw the vision of it. Uh-huh. And, you know, now he does, um, he runs all digital for Louis Vuitton Corporate. You know, wow. he's, he's become, anyway- Anyway, long story. Can he get you a Louis bag? Yeah, I should ask him. Yeah, yeah you definitely anyway, should. Anyway, <laughs> um, anyway, so he was the only person I knew because his daughter, Zoe, had been, she'd been as a little girl, the, the pixie in the Away with the Pixies video. That's how oh. I met him. So, um, so I called Ian. I was like, man, you're in town. Um, I don't know anyone in town. He's like, oh, well, this girl I'm dating, um, Amy, we're going up to her best friend's place for Christmas. She's having just a bunch of people over. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, oh, can I come with you? Mm-hmm. And um, and he said, yeah, come on. So it was actually this house. Wow. The house we're sitting in right this, now, right? This house. It was Ioni's house. That's so, amazing, dude. And, and, and check it out. On Christmas Day, I took mushrooms with all of Ioni's family. Wow. That was at 18 years and, old. And they, to- and they took him yeah, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was- um, That's and, incredible. And I was eight. But these, the guys, but these guys were all older than me, right? So yeah. I was 18. They were like, Ioni's eight years older than me. So her uh-huh. friends were like 26. You know when you're an 18-year-old boy, 26-year-old women- Oh. Our women. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was just like, I was like in awe of these sexy, like, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, I'm taking mushrooms on Christmas in the Hollywood Hills with yeah. these sexy, cool, women. hip women. Yeah. And anyway, I just loved it. And, um, <laughs> Sounds great. And, and, and I way. met, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I met, um, Ioni's brother, Dono, mm-hmm. and, um, Dono's a great guy because he's a connector. He stays in touch with everybody. Mm-hmm. So over the next 10 years, um, uh, he really kept there was some connection with him and Ioni like he would, I lived in New York mm-hmm. he'd say hey I'm in New York my sister's here too do you want to come to a party or do you know all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and um, we were friends me and Ioni were friends like, so you I became would, friends but I would not we're not super close yeah. um, I would say we probably hung out like 10 or 15 times over 10 years uh-huh. uh, you know not many oh so you didn't get together right away we got together 10 years later so I had a long relationship. She uh, oh. had she had a baby with someone. Like, oh, okay, wow. Like that my, that's my stepdaughter. Yeah, so okay. we re-met really uh-huh. as single adults. Wow. When I was How 28 yeah. and she was 36. Wow. And we, so this, check this out. This is interesting. It is interesting. So we connected. We just connected. We were at a party. Um, my friend Jason um, Schwartzman was in... Um, his cousin Sophia's movie. Um, uh, what was the one she made about Versailles? Um, oh, the family uh, oh. Uh, with Kirsten Dunst. Um, uh, Mary Antoinette. Okay. So we were at the premiere for that, and the after party was at the Chateau Maman, and me and Ioni just sat and we started talking, and we were talking about 
being artists and spirituality and life. We just got, we got a vibe going, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was very funny. I'm not uh, someone who's like, thinks everything's a sign. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that sort of can be a bit of like a um, self-obsessed mindset where you think the universe is talking to you directly. Mm-hmm. However, I do think at important times, weird stuff happens. Yeah, synchronicity. It's, yeah, it's just weird. It's just, you start going like, something happens to make you go, oh, something weird's happening, yeah. right? So I had this experience where the day after I met Ioni, and we just had this little vibe. Yeah. It was like 10 years later. I'd never thought of her as a potential partner. Uh-huh. Also, because she'd been married to Adam Horowitz from the Beastie Boys. So right, it was like, which is an interesting connection. Yeah, it was just sort of a whole weird... And, you know, she lived in this house that I'd met her in where That's I was intimidated crazy. by everyone. Yeah. So um, so I, I the next day, I was driving along down yeah. like lower Fairfax, like down near the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. You know? And I saw Donovan walking. And I was like, oh, there's Dono. And then my phone rings and it says Dono. Mm-hmm. And I picked it up and he was like, Hey, Dono, I literally just saw you walking down the street. He's like, oh, where? And I said, oh, by the farmer's market. And he's like, oh, I'm not there. I'm sitting with my sister up, you know, wherever they were at a restaurant. I was like, what are you talking about? I just saw you. He's like, I'm not there, man. And he's like, my sister's here. She says, what's up? Uh And something in my mind (laughs) just went, something in my mind went, something's happening. Right. That was all it took. And I said to her, ask her if she wants to go see the John and Yoko movie. Whoa! Um, because it was playing We're at going Sunset full Fire. circle back to Johnny, right. dude. So and what and so we went. She what said, movie yes. was that? It was that doco that came out ten years ago or twelve okay, years ago now. I don't remember. It was. It, I think it was just called John and Yoko. So she said yes. It was about their marriage, and she right. always said it felt very intense because it was vulnerable because it was this documentary about, about two artists yeah. who are married. Who are helping each other? And you guys were sitting there watching it, projecting on, on each first, other, like on the first like, day, like, are we going to get hitched? And, and you were going to get hitched. And basically, it unfolded over the yeah. next, you know, few months, um, and then the next year, and 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 even it was interesting our relationship to this house because I had a house in Sydney and she had this house, and I was like, let's both sell our houses and start something new. Mm-hmm. And then we started looking around. And we were like do I have to be like a prideful alpha male who like can't live in a house that like, I was like, you know Another what? person. I was like, let here. me just sell my place and then we've got some extra money. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, um, and a and, crazy killer house. And let's way. make this our own and yeah. like, and make it, and I'll put a studio in it and we'll do, you know, yeah. and, um, and it's been a journey. And honestly, like getting together, I always say that like, I think our getting together yeah. has given a lot of our friends hope because when they yeah. always say to us, did you ever think of each other as a potential partner? And neither of us did. We wow. did not. And then one day, suddenly our eyes were open to each other yeah. and we could see each other that way. It gives hope because anybody who's making love work like that and it's, it's like a hopeful vibe. I mean, I, have, I haven't really ever met you that much before and it has given me hope from a distance, you know, yeah, just even yeah. knowing it works. It can know? work, man. I'm telling yeah. you, it's like we do not have a conventional... But that's what Suzette tells you know, me all the time. My, my yeah. partner, he's like, when I met you, there was no way I was ever going to yeah. like get together yeah. with you. It wasn't even in the back of my mind. Like, And we have pretty interesting histories between the two of us and we mm-hmm. have a pretty interesting present and a future we're creating. But we were talking this morning. She said, she said it's really important to her to protect. Um, it's almost like our golden years. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's playing the long game. Right. Like she's like, I want to make sure we're like old and we've taken care of this marriage together. Mm-hmm. And she says, do you think we can do it? I said, I know we can do it because we both want to do it. Yeah. Like we are two people who, Whatever else has happened, if we've both wanted to do something, we've done it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of all it takes. 
Yeah, yeah that's cool. I, it's, it's just when one person stops wanting to do it, that's yeah. why it doesn't work. And then you dragged yeah. it to the guru. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to say one thing too about yeah. like the whole thing about synchronicity can become a self-obsessive mindset like the universe is communicating to you. I would agree with that if you think the universe is only communicating to yeah, yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you know that the universe is communicating to everyone all the time and yeah. you're no you're no, then I think it's a fun thing cuz the universe I feel like is constantly communicating to all of us yes. if we're open to it and then it's not about just oh it's me I'm the special one I'm not yes. the special one we're all the special one totally you know? but it's also a lot like psychedelics in that we have to be cautious with the way we interpret the yeah. communication oh that's true because often I feel like it can like, veer into psychosis yeah, and it can and it can veer into <laughs> you projecting what you want to happen yeah going, this is gonna happen it's a sign I got a sign I gotta say, yeah. yeah maybe you got a sign that you mm -hmm. live in a weird universe where anything can happen right that might be it yeah. we don't know what the future is gonna true. hold I, I'm wary of saying like I know this will work because I got a sign. Because I've yeah. had those things where like, I've had career things where like you bump into someone on this. I remember when Catch My Disease, which is like my biggest song, was being taken to hot AC radio, which was the uh -huh. radio format where you like graduate out of alternative radio. Yeah. And it's like, is it going to get on pop radio? Right. I came up out of the station at, I, all the label were just like, hot AC, hot AC, we're going yeah. to hot AC. It was like a catchphrase, everyone was saying. And it was like, like it felt moment. like the next phase of my career was dependent on what happened at hot AC. Mm -hmm. I come up out of um, Grand Central or mm -hmm. Penn Station, like one of the big stations when I was living in New York. And this guy comes up to me, he goes, he's an Aussie guy, he goes, are you Ben Lee? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh man, I'm a fan of your music. I've just moved here. And I was like, oh, cool, man. What, how's it going? He's like, it's good. You know, I got an opportunity at, do you know what Hot AC is? Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, oh, I just got this job at um, WPBJ, mm -hmm. I think is what it was called, which was the New York Hot AC a station. One, yeah. And I was like, this is so crazy. My song's being taken next week. This guy has like, got a job in programming. Right. I, I was like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing happened. Well, you know what's interesting <laughs> is that your biggest song is called Catch My Disease. And yeah. then the, with your guru thing is the disease you said you had and other people yeah. have caught it. Yeah, you're so right. So it's like that manifesting, like you got to like be careful about like yeah. what, what you, words are, words are powerful. Yeah. I always viewed it as, I remember hearing Paul McCartney say, if you look at the Beatles' biggest early songs, mm -hmm. they were essentially songs from the artist to the audience mm -hmm. to girls yeah. saying, fall in love with me. Right. And songs like that, like Love Me Do, yeah. please. You know, these are songs that are about, they're actually the fantasy yeah. of the teenage girl is that she's being sung to. Yeah. And I always viewed Catch Me Disease as within that um, world of basically saying, I want to have a hit song. Yeah. That was basically fall in love with me as an artist. Yeah, but disease is such a powerful word. It is. And maybe and it's a but that was the, word. Yeah. But in a way it's also punk. Because it's like saying like catch my lack of satisfaction right. with convention. Yeah. Dis ease. Catch yeah. the fact that I am not at ease. I feel you. You know what I mean? It's yeah. kinda like it's like catch my disruption. Mm-hmm. Anyway, didn't work. Didn't get on hot AC. And yeah. the lesson of it was that was a very weird experience that was a bit magical. Right. But I think it was a reflection. It was a sort of weird cosmic reflection of my desire uh -huh. rather than it was a cosmic reflection of something that was going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you sometimes I think get signs because your desire is so strong mm -hmm. that it's almost like the universe goes, 
yes, you are focused on this shiny object. Look at it. Look mm-hmm. at the shiny object. It got yeah. you a hell you, commercial. You got, yeah, it got me some good syncs. That's true. Yeah, I like the Stoics. I like the Stoics. Like, have you ever deal with any of them? Like Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, or any I love of that. that. I, I love that stuff. Like Bob whenever, Dylan got me into that stuff. Who did? He, Bob Dylan, because he talked about that stuff. Did he? Where, Meditations. Where, the Marcus oh, Meditations. Aurelius. He said that was his favorite book, so that's why I bought it. Oh, okay. That's an amazing one. Yeah. I got the audio of that. Yeah. Like, uh, and uh, yeah, that stuff is just like... Because they're like, you know, you're trying to manifest positive things and like think about positives, but they also like have this uh, technique where they like imagine the worst things that can happen and like so so that they won't be disappointed when or they'll be ready for things like that. Well, the Tibetan Buddhists are like that, too. Like I remember asking a Tibetan monk, what do you guys think about God? Mm -hmm. And he said, it's not our business. Right. He said, what we're concerned with is the functioning of karma. Right. He's like, what happens? Who made that? What's outside that? We don't know. Yeah. He's like, but I like that idea too. It's similar. It's kind of like going like, it's sort of not our business what our, um, what the truth is. Yeah. Living our day-to-day best selves and being in integrity and yeah. being our own people and trying to be, be able to be honest and, and, and say, I really tried my best. Yeah. That is our business. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's a great place to end it. Yeah, right on, man. Ben Lee. You're the we man, did it. dude. Wow, I, that was really great, man. I appreciate you. It's fun. I appreciate Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you for doing it. Uh, where do people follow you other than benlee.com? Yeah, I'm like, it's ben-lee.com. I have a mailing list, but basically all my Instagram. socials are benlee music. Yeah. Okay. Support us on Patreon. Listen, subscribe. Rate. Thanks, Ehud. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Right Thanks, Ben. Woo. Fuck, that was cool. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. <laughs>